0: you complete me the podcast about the marvel cinematic universe my name is crystal and with me is luke
1: yep i'm also here also hosting this
0: how did how did i get here i mean you were the one pushing it mostly
1: i yeah you're not wrong it just it occurred to me yesterday that there are marvel fans that have not seen every marvel movie and i don't like the marvel movies and i'm gonna end up having seen all of them
0: I think I've probably seen each one multiple times. Oh, I boy. think that's oh wow. <sighs> now tell me a little bit about your history with the MCU. Yeah. Okay. And the relationship.
1: Yeah, because I figured we should probably yeah lay some groundwork here. Like I said, I I don't really like these movies. They come out and everyone loses their shit over them, and for a while, like I would go see them because everyone was going nuts, and I'd be like, eh, it's all right, I guess. I don't really, I don't really get it. And then eventually I kind of tuned into the idea that, okay, these just aren't for me. But then people would like keep talking for about them for years after they came out. And like last year I had a day where I just binge watched a bunch of them. I'm like, no, these are all still bad. And that binge session ended on Civil War. It was like, oh, I can just stop watching these forever because these suck. Um, but I don't. Crystal, I don't like to be a negative person. I don't like to to, to hate things. I want to see what people see in these movies.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm a person who generally enjoys these movies. Yeah. I mean, I do look at them with a critical eye. Oh, of
1: course, of course. It's
0: just that they're usually pretty good. There are some that I think are not good.
1: So yeah, you mentioned, I mean, we're recording this the week that Infinity War came out, which you despised.
0: Oh yeah, that's the worst one.
1: Yeah, I did not listen to the uh, the bonus episode of Book of Medora you did about it because I didn't. I wanted to come into this podcast fresh, but uh, I, I know you had some extremely negative feelings about that movie.
0: Yeah, no, they did a bad job with that film.
1: What uh What are the other ones you would say you dislike?
0: I dislike Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. Okay. Okay. And Thor One. Huh,
1: okay. I kind of like both of those. I don't love them, but they're they're probably,
0: like, upper middle to me. Now, what would you say is your favorite Marvel film?
1: I would say my favorite one, uh, with the caveat that I have not rewatched a lot of these in a while, is either the first Avengers or the first Captain America.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I like both of those ones. My favorite yeah. one is the Age of Ultron.
1: I hate Age of Ultron with a burning passion, so... <laughs>
0: yeah, a lot of people do, but we'll get to that in like
1: yeah, that, that'll six take months. that'll take a well, not that long, even probably two,
0: right? Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> today we're going to talk about the first film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, Iron Man, Iron starring Man. Robert Downey Jr., directed by Jon Favreau.
1: This came out in 2008. I was that is correct. Uh, it, it was like May of 2008, so I was about to graduate high school.
0: Yeah, they usually have one on the first weekend of may for the past 10 years
1: oh that makes sense okay uh boy when you say for the past 10 years it really puts a lot of things in stark relief tony stark relief um (laughs) that's the kind of humor you can expect from this show (laughs) uh this was also the year that the dark knight came out which you know this is not a dc podcast crystal it is clearly a marvel one but I do have, like, because those movies came out not quite back-to-back, but they were pretty close to each other. How do you feel about The Dark Knight?
0: Uh, I like that one. Sounds good as The Dark Knight Rises. Wow. Wow, all right. Well, I guess
1: we're doing some bonus episodes on the Batman trilogy from Christopher Nolan at some point.
0: No, yeah. Like, my history with this film is that I saw the trailer, and I was like, eh, that doesn't look that good. Yeah. And I don't think I actually saw this until at least a good year later after it had come out on mm-hmm. home video. Mm-hmm. At this point, I had identified strongly with the Detective Comics brand. Sure. Yeah.
1: Batman and Pals.
0: Batman. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, I I remember seeing The Dark Knight with my friends, like the night it came out, and uh, being kind of blown away by it. And definitely there was a period there where I was completely caught up in the fervor around that movie. Now looking back on it, I still like it, but I've got, you know criticisms of it, and I think everybody does, that movie's plot kind of doesn't make any sense.
0: No, it's kind of not even a Batman movie. Um,
1: yeah, I see where you're coming from with that. Um, but I still think it's a good movie, it's just not a great movie.
0: Would you say it's as good as Iron Man?
1: Um, I would say it's better than Iron Man, still.
0: I'd probably say that, too.
1: Yeah. Um, so... I don't really remember why I saw this movie in theaters, but I did, and I saw it alone, which I almost never do. I'm wondering if maybe I went to go see. I, I think it might have been I went to see The Dark Knight again, and they were sold out, so I just saw Iron Man instead. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember watching it and thinking, well, that was pretty good. It doesn't. But my feeling coming away from it was that it felt kind of fun, but sort of hollow and i wasn't quite sure why i had that impression of it why it was just kind of like eh, that was an okay time but i hope whenever they do another one of these it's better but that was definitely my my takeaway from it and that was my takeaway from the first several marvel movies
0: yeah at, at this juncture the like they talked about how they were going to do a connected universe but yeah People didn't frame these movies in that way when talking about them. This was just considered its own thing.
1: Right, yeah, because it was this very much felt like, you know, there's the the stinger at the end, they're setting up this idea of the the shared universe, but that was such a crazy gamble at the time that like, worst case scenario, this is a decent standalone Iron Man movie if this all falls apart.
0: Yeah, I've always a lot of people really, really like this movie and still consider it among the best Marvel movies and among the best superhero movies ever. Mm -hmm. I've always thought it's, you know, good not great. Yeah. I've this is I think the fourth or fifth time that I've seen it. Okay. This is the first time I've seen it since it was in theaters.
1: And I I would I would probably go with good not great also. Um like what would what letter grade would you give
0: this movie? Probably like uh like a B. Yeah, it's like B B minus. Yeah, my memory of this movie before rewatching it is that the first act was really good. Yes. And then the second act was good, but not as good. And then the third act was bad. On this rewatch, I thought it was a lot more even all the way through.
1: Oh, see, I still absolutely feel that way. I think that it, I think it kind of falls apart after uh, the first like big conflict is resolved. But I guess we'll get to that as we get into it. Um, yeah, you want
0: to talk about the plot of Iron Man?
1: I guess let's just talk about the plot of Iron Man. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all the uh, setup we need to do here. Let's Let's dive in.
0: Okay, so the movie opens on the shot of a mountain. Yeah, the first shot of the MCU. Yeah, <laughs> it's Afghanistan, right? And there's some there's some some Humvees driving, and they're playing the, the is it the ACDC?
1: Yeah, they're they're playing "Back in Black" by ACDC.
0: Yeah, all the old bands sound the same to me.
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like Tony Stark is being driven by a bunch of soldiers, and he's kind of bantering with them.
1: Yeah, you immediately... I mean, I think this is a good establishing shot on Tony Stark because it is this very kind of sort of grounded military jeep with people in soldier gear, and then he's in a business suit with a cocktail. Or not a cocktail, but like a glass of alcohol. I don't know what it is.
0: I'm not a drinker. And, like, even in this scene, you get the sense that Tony Stark is kind of a dick.
1: Kind of, yeah. Yeah, he... He makes some cracks about the driver who's a woman and like when she first like speaks up he's like, "Oh, you're a woman. I never would have guessed." Like, "Uh, buddy." Hmm.
0: And then she's like, "Oh, but you have you have good bone structure, so maybe I will keep staring at you."
1: Yeah. It's it's not a great intro to this character, especially now. That's kind now. of
0: something they really play up in this movie, and in Iron Man two to a slightly lesser extent. Yeah, that has since disappeared from the character. Yeah, the, the Iron the, Man the is a womanizing is sex yeah. creep.
1: Well, they've. I mean, they they give him uh, long term girlfriends. That kind of you know, it, he can't hit on every woman now because that would be weird.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean. In the second movie, he's ostensibly in a relationship with Pepper, but he's still, like, hitting on Black Widow.
1: Oh, sure, but the second movie, that's kind of what the, the conflict is in his personal life, right? It's it's almost, it's like a half-assed love triangle where it's like, well, maybe he'll leave her for Black Widow. Uh,
0: I don't remember that, but we'll get to that.
1: I, I, I'll be honest, I remember almost nothing about Iron Man 2.
0: <laughs> Iron Man 2 is a movie that I think is actually pretty close in quality to this one. Mm-hmm. I've, since watching them, their places in the ranking have switched back and forth a lot for me. Okay. And I'm interested how it's going to go this time. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, we, we will get to Iron Man 2 in a few weeks. I watched that movie one time and was like, this is nothing. This is a nothing movie and I don't care.
0: <laughs> but. <laughs> okay. So the, the jeep in front of them blows up because it goes over mine. Yeah. And the soldiers all get in a gunfight and Tony Stark runs out. And he gets gets hit by Mine too, and there's shrapnel all over his chest.
1: Yeah, and he kind of pulls off his uh, dress shirt to show that he had like a bulletproof vest underneath of it, but he's bleeding through that even.
0: Yeah, he pulls out his very fancy telephone, which is not a smartphone.
1: No, it's a Nokia.
0: <laughs> they also reference uh, MySpace in this opening.
1: Yes, they do. They mention that he doesn't want to see. They, one of the soldiers wants a picture with him. And Tony tells him, I better not see this on your MySpace page. And, like, this is 2008. A good shot where, this is, like, like one of uh, the last years where that would be a relevant reference.
0: Yeah, basically. There's a good shot where there's a bomb that lands right next to him. Mm-hmm. And it's the camera zooms in on the logo and says Stark Industries. Yeah. And then it blows yeah. up and almost kills him.
1: Yes. Uh, and then, I believe from there, it just cuts to him with a bag over his head in a cave, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, he's surrounded by, like... What look like, you know, insurgents while someone reads off of a script in a very, it is imagery that is very evocative, particularly to 2008 America.
0: Oh yeah, this movie has a lot of scary brown people.
1: It's got a lot of scary brown people, but it also kind of wants to have it both ways because they make it clear pretty soon here that these are not like, Afghanistan terrorists.
0: No, this is not this is not the Taliban. This is not al-Qaeda. Right. Even though they
1: dress and look and speak exactly like the Taliban. Yeah. Uh it's it's yeah. Uh it I don't think I like it.
0: <laughs> no. I don't think that I like it either. Because
1: again, like this is framed very much like it is like a a hostage video from terrorists, you know, the the kind that sometimes end in, you know, beheadings or that kind of thing. But we're going to learn way later in this movie that this was a private video sent to the Ironmonger about how they want more money for the hit that he, they were hired to carry out.
0: Right. I,
1: it just feels very weaselly to use this kind of imagery to evoke those feelings and then not even like follow through on it and examine like what they're talking about.
0: And you have to consider like this is this terrorist group is basically the adaptation. Of the Mandarin from the comics. Right, yeah. Who has his own host of problems because he is a very racist Chinese character. His
1: name is the Mandarin. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot about the But adapting him into
0: this is, like, yeah. somehow worse. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I will say up front, I know very little about Iron Man from the comics. I know that this whole, like, opening sequence is sort of a, a loose adaptation of his original, like, origin story.
0: Yeah, the original origin story was set in Vietnam.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I really am not familiar with like his rogues gallery or... I, like The things I know about Iron Man outside of the MCU are that he owns a company and he's uh, he struggles with alcoholism. And that's kind of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's really all you need to know. Yeah, he's a member of the Illuminati, right? He is a member of the Illuminati. Right. This movie actually came out at a time short not too long after the civil war arc in the comics concluded right right when like everybody basically hated iron man because his character had just gone full fascist
1: yeah uh uh-huh and And this uh, sort of
0: redeemed the character for a number of years
1: yep and it's it's sure good that they definitely looked at the civil war arc and said well no one liked that we better not adapt
0: it oh they just made a very good event movie
1: oh god oh boy
0: we'll get to it (laughs) okay okay so it cuts to the title, Iron Man, and yeah. then it cuts to Las Vegas, 36 hours earlier.
1: I, I would say, other than the sort of uncomfortable use of the, the terrorist imagery in this movie, I am on board with this movie so far. Yeah. I, I like what it's doing. I think they did a good job giving you a very quick portrait of Tony Stark. The, like, missile with his logo on it kind of immediately lets you in on what the, like, sort of philosophical or thematic struggle of this movie is like it is yes. good so far i would say overall
0: yeah another thing to note about this movie is that it didn't really have a script it had like a story outline but most of the scenes in this movie were improvised that is wild to me what yeah wow okay huh i know a friend of the show aj is a big fan of this movie because it's like one of the only films of this budget to be almost entirely improvised.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Huh. All
0: right. So Tony Stark is being presented an Apogee Award, which is a real thing that they give to smart people. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's sort of going through his history, how he was always a genius from a young age. When his parents tragically died in a car accident in 1991. Mm-hmm. And then he took over the company at age 21. Yep. I'm and glad it, that, you know,
1: we're just gonna... You know, they died in a car accident. That's a normal thing. People die from car accidents every day. We're not gonna need to revisit that ever. Well, no, they do
0: revisit that later. Oh, wait, what? They revisit that in the Winter Soldier and oh. the Civil War. Oh. So they establish that Tony Stark <laughs> makes a bunch of really awesome weapons because he's a super smart boy. Yeah. And uh, they, they're kind of already setting up uh, a tension between Obadiah Stane, who's sort of the second-in-command of the company, and Tony Stark. Yeah. You get the sense that he expected to be the leader of the company and then this kid took over
1: yeah this sort of slideshow about Tony Stark's life has all these magazine covers with him on them and there's one with Obadiah Stane where he is just in like a business suit with his hands on his hips looking down at a tiny like beach ball globe and it's immediately like oh you're the bad guy gotcha uh
0: so Colonel James Rhodes who's the Air Force liaison to Stark Industries is presenting this award yeah Uh, Tony Stark is not there because he's busy gambling. So Obadiah Stane accepts the award. And again, this is further establishing that this is supposed to be my award. Right. And I I think at this point, you know, we're going to
1: learn more about this dynamic as the movie goes on. But I think Obadiah is kind of fine with the current setup because he functionally does control the company because Tony doesn't care. Right. Like he just makes cool shit that Obadiah profits off of. But, yeah, uh, Tony Stark is busy uh, being drunk and gambling in the casino. and
0: uh, He doesn't Rhodey, care about his award. He just passes it off to some Caesar cosplayer.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rhodey, played by Terrence Howard, comes in uh-huh. to yell at him. Uh, and uh, they, they have just a bunch of, like, sort of quippy dialogue. Tony Stark wants him to blow on his dice. It's, you know, it's fine. It's charming enough, I guess.
0: I don't really get the sense in this movie that they're actually friends. Not really, no.
1: Their, their relationship is weird, and it seems... Honestly, the fact that this movie is improvised makes a lot of sense to me now. Because yeah. I don't think there is a consistent sense of what their dynamic together is. Because like sometimes seems- they're just co-workers, and uh, Rhodey hates him, and sometimes they're buddies. But, you know, Tony Stark's irresponsible. You know, it's
0: weird. Yeah, Rhodey's character is basically... He's a serious guy who wants to maintain a relationship and, like, a, a professional relationship between this weapons manufacturer and the Air Force. Yes. And then Tony Stark doesn't really care about anything. He's rich. He doesn't care about his awards because he doesn't need some stupid award to validate him. Right. He knows he's a super genius. Exactly. It- so as he gets into the limo, uh, a reporter comes to get an interview with him, Christine Everhart. Mm-hmm. And she says, Hey, Tony Stark, you suck because you're a war profiteer. Right. And he says, well, I don't care, because this is America.
1: Yeah, he gives some kind of flippant shit about how the weapons he makes, you know, save more lives than they take, and immediately maneuvers this conversation towards seducing her. And um, I guess, you know, I don't want to be too harsh here, but she comes in like guns blazing, and she flips to just having sex with him real fast.
0: Well, he's supposed to be an extremely attractive man, is I, the thing.
1: I get that, but, like, she's she has come in, like, locked and loaded with, like, facts to quoted him, and, she, like, she's doing a hit piece on him, and then he's got her in bed with, like, a, like, uh, you know, hard cut. I don't know. It seemed a little weird.
0: Yeah, I don't really like this aspect of the Tony Stark character.
1: Yeah, I, I don't either, and I think even in this movie, it doesn't, with where they go with him later on, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, because she wakes up alone in his fancy Malibu mansion where, like, the wall dissolves into a window because it's all high-tech.
0: And there's an AI running the house. Yes,
1: Jarvis, um, who's a cool robot butler and uh-huh. nothing else and will never be anything else.
0: No, he he will become more important God. later when he becomes part of the vision. God damn it. <laughs> uh
1: But as she's sort of wandering around, either just looking for him or just sort of poking around, she runs into Pepper Potts.
0: Yes. Who's...
1: I don't understand in this movie at all. What do you mean? I mean that... Okay. Her... The idea here is that she is Tony Stark's personal assistant, and because he's a weird man-baby, she kind of runs his life for him. Right. And, uh, you know, she explains here that one of her jobs... she, She says... You know, her responsibilities include taking out the trash in, like, a snide reference to this woman, which, what the fuck?
0: Well, you know, they're two women, so they have to be catty towards each other.
1: Right, I guess. Um, But I feel like she has the most firsthand experience with how much of a dirtbag Tony Stark is. Right. And then she is also in love with him? Or falls in love with him very fast later on?
0: Um, I don't know. I think... At this juncture in Pepper's life, she's just very satisfied with her job. Sure. And she's okay with dealing with this man baby as long as she keeps getting paid. I guess, but then if if, if that is
1: the read we're going with, I don't understand what the turn is that makes
0: her fall for him later on. He dances with her. <laughs>
1: Right? Yeah, that's kind of if all of it is. If the male and
0: female lead have any interaction, that begins a relationship.
1: He just kind of starts turning on the charm with her. And I, again, I get that he's supposed to be this, like, ultra-charismatic dude, but I would feel like she has seen him do this to so many women at this point that it wouldn't work on her. I mean, wouldn't it? Uh, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Okay. But yeah, yeah, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because that's that's all later on. Um,
0: so it cuts to Tony Stark uh, in his little lab thing, working on the hot rod car. Yeah, listening to institutionalized by suicidal tendencies. Yes, it's just a good scene.
1: It, he's, it's just a it's a pretty long scene of him just fiddling with car parts during this like droning spoken word part of this song where this guy is just. I'm not familiar with suicidal tendencies, but he's just going on and on about, I try to do things, but then they don't work out, and it makes me so mad, and I just...
0: (sighs) Yeah, I actually really like how long and detailed this scene is. It really lingers on all his adjusting of the little parts of the car and checking them out and looking at the computer. Mm -hmm. Then Pepper Potts walks in and interrupts his work because he has to be a CEO, Yes, He's not interested in being a CEO, he just wants to work on his fun toys.
1: Right, that's the thing. Um, There is a scene here where, again, oh, it being improvised makes sense because the dialogue doesn't make sense. What do you mean? So Pepper Potts tells him, this is such a minor nitpick, but she tells him that uh, someone found another buyer for the Jackson Pollock painting. And if, if, if he's got an employee looking for a buyer, that implies he owns it and is trying to sell it, right? If they found wait. a buyer. Right, okay. Okay, and then as they kind of have a little bit of smarmy quipping about this painting, he eventually says, mm, like she tells him she thinks it's overpriced, and then he says, nah, I need it though, buy it and store it. But no, wait, you already own it. You were looking for a buyer.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. She's saying that the guy they want to buy it from has gotten another potential buyer. So they need to jump on it now or Okay.
1: No, you know it. what? You're right. That does make more sense than how I was seeing it. You're right. I was thinking of it as he had it and they were they were looking for someone to buy it. But no, you're that yes, you're correct.
0: Then Pepper mentions that he has an MIT commencement speech, and Tony Stark will never do an MIT commencement speech in this series. Uh I don't know whether that's true or not. He does win in Civil
1: War. Alright, cool. I saw Civil War. Don't remember that part.
0: Uh, Tony Stark mentions that that's in June, so that's way, way down the line, which suggests a few things about the timeline of this movie. Yeah, wait a second. That means that, like,
1: at most, all the movies from now until Civil War take place across the next 11 months. Well, hold on. What? I'm saying at at most, that means this is July right now. That is the most generous reading, right?
0: I think you mean at least.
1: Sure. No, I'm saying that is the, like... The most amount of time it could be is that it is July of the current year, and the commencement speech is for June of the following year.
0: Okay. Right? There's a lot of debate about the MCU timeline. Okay. Traditionally, this movie is placed in 2010. Okay. There's a user on the MCU wiki who, like, very carefully combs through every printed date in the movies. Oh, wow, yeah. And spoken dialogue of dates, mm-hmm. and, like... Cast and crew interviews. Sure. And then weighs them all appropriately based on their importance. Right. Then, like, gives a range for each of them and then takes the average of the range. Oh boy. Okay. And they place the beginning of this movie in February of 2009. Okay. And the end in November of 2009.
1: Wait. So, by their estimation, the MIT commencement speech happened off screen. And Civil War represents a different MIT commencement speech.
0: Or maybe he just didn't do it.
1: Okay, that's, that's possible, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I can go with that. Uh, but yeah, they, they just have some businessy things to talk about, and uh, Tony Stark gets the sense that she is trying to rush him out of the door, and she reveals that, yes, she is, because it's her birthday and she wants to go home.
0: Isn't that strange? It's the same day as last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. They kind of have some, some quippy, a lot of quips in this movie.
0: Get yourself something nice for me. I already did. Yes. And it was very nice. Yeah. Very tasteful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mr. Stark. Mm -hmm. You're welcome, Miss Potts. So they have kind of a flirty banner here?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I said, the the, the arc of their relationship just doesn't quite make sense to me. I I don't quite understand what they're supposed to be feeling towards each other at which points in the movie. Because, like I said, at this point, I could very easily see it the way you were saying it, that she, you know, doesn't really like him per se but like he's affable and it pays well so fuck it but again yeah. I, don't, I don't know when the the switch is supposed to flip into this being a romance
0: i mean i think at this point they're probably like vaguely attracted to each other Sure, but they're but not people. at the point where they're gonna act on that in any way sure that makes sense
1: yeah and i guess to be fair what i will give this movie credit for is it does show restraint in that they are not together forever by the end of this movie right they're still kind of they're not
0: even really together.
1: No, no, they're they're kind of like flirting with the idea of getting together. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe it makes sense in that context.
0: Yeah, I think I think given the end point and the beginning point and the events of this movie, it's a reasonable enough progression.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll I can go with that.
0: So Tony Stark drives to the airport and Rhodey says he's been waiting there for 3 hours because Tony Stark's an asshole and he makes his so-called friend wait at the airport for 3 hours.
1: Yes. Uh, they he, Tony is really not listening to him at all. He's going like, "Well, now we're waiting on you, so come on, let's go." We do yeah, like we do get a quick introduction. Aren't friends? Yeah, they're not friends at all. Uh, we do get a very quick introduction to Happy Hogan in this movie.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have too many lines in this one. No, no he
1: is like a uh, like this tier below tertiary character. He's like an extra with dialogue in this movie.
0: Yeah, he's played by Jean Favreau, the director.
1: Oh, is he okay? Yeah. Yes, It was just kind of a fun thing to notice having just watched Spider-Man Homecoming a week or two ago. I'm like, oh hey, there he is. They planted him early. That's nice. That's the one thing they do good in these movies.
0: And like, Rhodey's trying to have a serious conversation here about, you know, you don't you don't respect yourself. You don't respect me. I'm just your babysitter. Yeah. And Tony Stark just blows him off. Yeah, he's ordering gets drunk.
1: drinks from the, the flight attendant on his private jet. And he's trying to get uh, Rhodey to drink with him. And Rhodey's trying to deny him, but then there's a smash cut to them both drunk. Uh, there are, like, party lights in the plane now. All of the flight attendants are stripping.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh, yeah. You know, it's the Austin Powers jet. Right. <sighs> Tony Stark's just Austin Powers. That's that's all.
0: And Rody's trying to drunkenly explain to Tony that he can be more than what he is. He doesn't just have to be this piece of shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you really can't tell that that's what they're talking about unless you're watching it with subtitles right it's all just kind of drunken yelling over loud music
0: so there's a brief scene where tony arrives in afghanistan shakes hands with the general or whatever yeah and then he's at the very same mountains at the beginning of the movie right giving a speech about how some people say the best weapon is one you never have to fire but i say the best weapon is the one you only have to fire once yes that's how dad Dad did it that's how america does it and it's worked out pretty well so far
1: right so he is yeah we didn't really touch on it much that that like uh retrospective on him mentions that ned stark his father who we will get to know in the future was like one of the minds behind the manhattan project in this continuity
0: he's kind of ned stark was that ned stark yeah it's howard who's ned who is Ned? <laughs> what Ned's a Game of Thrones character. <laughs> is
1: Ned Stark now? Okay, well, I'm just going to go away. Goodbye, everybody.
0: No, come on.
1: <laughs> Howard Stark. Yeah. was one of the people that made the, the atomic bomb, and that is kind of what Tony Stark is uh, referring to in this scene as he displays his newest uh, weapon, the Jericho Missile. Which is a rocket that breaks into like fifty rockets in midair, and he just completely bombs this entire mountain range from one end to the other. And there's like a shockwave yeah. that knocks everyone off their feet. It's it's, yeah, a, scary it's a very scene. well
0: shot scene where like yeah. he's standing there and his arms are out, and all the missiles fall behind him, and the dust uh, blows towards his back and knocks the caps all off the military people.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then we get a nice shot. He's got a fancy, uh, like cooler refrigerator refrigerator inside this, uh, military box. He gives them a joke about how like that's free with every like purchase of 50 million or more or something like that. Uh, and then it kind of links up with the beginning of the movie where he gets in the Jeep. He will not get into roadie's Jeep because that's the
0: humdrum V and he's going to sit in the fun V. There's a brief scene where you get to see uh, a naked Obadiah stain. Uh, oh, that's right. Because
1: uh, he calls Tony to ask how it went, but it's nighttime in America, and he's just in a bathrobe that's sort of hanging open.
0: Yeah, he's he's laying on the bed, and you can see his naked, hairy chest. Yes, it's weirdly sensual <laughs> in how it's framed.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, it looks like the beginning of the movie. Yes, his the fun V blows up. Uh, And then cuts to Tony Stark, like, having surgery performed on him. Yeah. And then he wakes up in a cave. Yes. He's got something in his nose, which he pulls out. He's disoriented. He's hurt. He's bloody. Mm -hmm. And a guy next to him is shaving.
1: Yeah, just this uh, very well-dressed dude in glasses is just kind of casually
0: shaving next to him. Um, he notices he has some sort of device attached to his chest that's hooked up to a car battery.
1: Yeah, he, like, reaches for some water on an end table, and he can't reach it because the wires attached to this car battery kind of get pulled taut. And he starts, yeah, ripping the bandages away, and he's got this just metal chunk stuck in his chest, and he kind of freaks
0: out about it. And the guy says whose name is Ho Yinsen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Ho yeah. Ho Yinsen says— You know, don't touch that. That's the only thing that's keeping the shrapnel from cutting your heart to pieces.
1: Right. We kind of are, are, you know, given to believe that Jensen is a doctor. Uh, He mentions that he's given, he's done surgery on a lot of people who were um, victims of, you know, bombs uh, in his home village. And uh, they call people with the kind of injury Tony has, the walking dead, because there are like microscopic pieces of shrapnel that are slowly pushing their way through his arteries into his heart where they'll kill him and there's really no way to extract them so his uh kind of jury-rigged solution is to put an electromagnet inside his chest and attach it to a car battery to force the shrapnel to stay in place
0: uh he mentions that he met tony stark once before at a technical conference in Bern. yeah and he was very drunk while giving a lecture on integrated circuits. Yes. And we'll never get to see that in one of these movies.
1: God, does that also come up?
0: That's in Iron Man 3.
1: <laughs> okay, I haven't seen Iron That's Man 3. That's the opening
0: to Iron Man 3.
1: God, okay.
0: Ugh. So anyway, Abu comes in. He's sort of the second in command of this sect of the Ten Rings. Yeah, It. You know, we, they,
1: we kind of get some glances at the guy who's actually in charge. But initially, it seems like this dude is the boss.
0: Uh, the Ten Rings are organized sort of like Hydra, and that they have a bunch of independent sects yeah. that are only loosely affiliated with each other.
1: Yeah, there, there's some like dialogue where Tony asks Yinsen how many languages he speaks, and Yinsen says, like, oh, a few, but not enough for this group, implying that this is a very, like, multinational organization who all coincidentally happen to look like Afghanistan al-Qaeda terrorists.
0: Yeah, Tony Stark mentions that these guys are holding... Guns that he has designed. He's like, why do they have my guns? How do they get my guns? Yeah. Abu says, well, he's speaking in Arabic, but everything he's saying is being translated by Yinsen. Right. He says, welcome, Tony Stark, the most famous mass murderer in the history of America. Yeah. And he asks him to build the the Jericho missile.
1: Yeah. uh, And Tony initially refuses and they uh, do some water torture on him until he kind of acquiesces. At least a little bit. And they start showing him around all the boxes and boxes of Tony Stark weapons they have.
0: Yeah. Uh, these are his loyal customers, as Yinson says. Right. Uh,
1: yeah, you definitely are picking up. It, it's it's never directly said, which is, you know, that's fine. Like, you you get it loud and clear. Jensen does not approve of Tony Stark.
0: Oh, no, he doesn't like this guy. He hates him. <laughs> Probably because he's responsible for... Much of the destruction in Afghanistan. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And we're going to kind of learn... Okay. Yinsen is my first actual big problem with this movie. Okay. Because I think he is a really important character. And, like, what they're doing with Tony Stark's character arc, they need Yinsen to be a really strong presence. And I feel like they give you the kind of rough backbone of who this character is, but they don't give him enough, like... I don't know if it's if he doesn't have enough screen time or what, but he feels very two-dimensional in a way that I wish he wasn't.
0: Yeah, he's kind of not his own person. He is there to advance Tony Stark's arc. Yes, 100%.
1: Um, he's he's going to die pretty soon here and like in his dying breath he's going to lay out this whole thing where he he is almost tells Tony Stark directly, "Oh, I exist to further your character arc and I hope that you'll become a good person now. Uh, now I'm dead."
0: Right. Um I he, What if they what if Yinsen was kept alive and he just like started working at Stark Industries? I
1: think that'd be a much better way to go with it. Yeah.
0: I don't know. They they needed to do something more with Yinsen. I don't know what exactly,
1: but that I I like what this part of the movie is doing, but it falls a little flat with Yinsen being such a perfunctory character.
0: Yeah, I think this is I would probably say this whole sequence where he's captured is the best done sequence in the movie i would agree overall yeah. mm-hmm. they are so this movie is very careful to never suggest that the united states has ever done anything wrong yes with hundred percent the problem is just that tony stark's weapons have gotten in the wrong hands it is
1: completely fine for tony stark to be Uh, the backbone of the military-industrial complex. There is, as far as this movie's concerned, there is no issue with that whatsoever. The only problem is that he's also unknowingly selling weapons to terrorists. Yeah. And that is so... uh, It it makes everything about this movie ring hollow.
0: Yeah, kind of.
1: Like, it... It it, it just... it, It makes this movie feel disingenuous because it's not willing to actually engage with the issues it kind of temporarily brushes up against
0: yeah so stark C- and Jensen are back in the cave and stark has kind of just resigned himself to die yeah because he knows they're gonna kill him anyway right and Yinsen gives him a speech about like you can't just let this be your legacy you have to do something about it
1: yeah, uh, and Tony Stark basically is like, ah, doesn't make a difference. Either I, you know, regardless of what I do, I'm going to be dead within a week. And Yidson tells him, well, then this is a really important week for you, isn't it? Which is a pretty good line, yeah.
0: So then he starts building the arc Reactor.
1: Yeah, he immediately starts telling them, like, okay, I need these things, like, strip these weapons, get me this, I need this kind of work environment, and yeah, he begins to build the arc Reactor. While he was getting, uh like, dunked in water uh, and tortured, we do get a brief glimpse where it's almost like he has a spark of inspiration where this whole thing would make a lot more sense if they had talked about the arc reactor at any point before this moment. Uh,
0: Because Uh, It's still early in the movie.
1: It's early in the movie, but the idea is that, you know, as we get it all put together, is that they have built this arc reactor, which they don't get into much, but it kind of just seems like free energy. Um to an extent, at least. The problem is that the reactor itself is gigantic, and Tony yeah. Stark has had this flash of inspiration on how to miniaturize it uh, to be small enough for him to stick in his chest.
0: Yeah, he mentioned he has a bigger version of it powering his uh, his lab back home. Yeah. But, like, it's not—like, later it will be used to power the whole of New York City. right. By this point, it's not necessarily, like, this super-efficient free energy source.
1: Not per se, but, I mean, it is... The, the version he builds for his chest does seem to be just an infinite battery that can power an Iron Man suit, so it's
0: definitely... He gives a specific number. It's, uh, like, what, 3.6 gigajoules per second? Something like that, yeah. Which,
1: I don't... I'm not an electrician, so I have no sense of, like, exactly how much that is. Yeah, I don't know if that means anything. Yeah, um... But I don't know, I feel like, and this is, again, more nitpicky, it, this whole bit would make a little more sense to me if in the the flash, the flash flashback portion, there had just been like a quick conversation between Tony and Obadiah about the arc reactor and like, ah, we had to, you know, kind of shelve that because we couldn't figure out a way to miniaturize it. It kind of isn't worth it with the scale it's at. And then have this like, oh shit, I solved it. That, uh, oh,
0: yeah, maybe like there's a line where he mentions to Christine Everhart that like we don't just build weapons, we also build intelligent crops and other non-violent stuff. Yeah, that'd be a perfect that place would to be a good place to in. mention the arc yeah, reactor. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. It, I don't know. It just seems a little weird that our first introduction to this thing is a half a second flash of a circle and then him building a glowy circle. And he's I don't know. It feels a little sloppy. But again, that's nitpicks. Um After he has built the arc reactor and installed it in his chest, they get to work on his escape plan.
0: Yeah, Yinsen mentions that this arc reactor could keep the shrapnel out of his heart for 50 lifetimes, or it could power something big for 15 minutes.
1: Yeah. What could it be, though? Uh, Tony has kind of a stack of paper where he has drawn part of a blueprint on each sheet, so that if you flatten it out under a light, you can see the entire blueprint of a metal suit.
0: Yes. And, uh, the, yeah, go ahead. Some people are, some guards are watching them on the cameras, and they're, like, very careful to just make it look like they're vaguely busy without showing what they're actually working on. Right.
1: Uh, as they are, yeah, building uh, essentially the prototype Iron Man
0: suit, which... Um, Iron Man Mark I. yes.
1: Which I appreciate that it kind of isn't... It's just a hunk of metal. Like, it's kind of junky. Like, it's just... It's basically, listen, I need shielding against all of their machine guns. Let's just build some thick metal. And, I don't know, stick some flamethrowers on it so I can do something.
0: He built it in a cave with a box of scraps. With a box of
1: scraps, yeah. Uh,
0: uh, So, there's one point where they're on a a break playing Bakamon... And Yinsen mentions that he's from a small town called Golmira, and he has a family there. And you'll see them once he's done here. Right. And he's, he asks if Stark has a family. He says no. And Yinsen says, so you're a man who has everything and nothing. Oh, dang. Because family is more important than money, Luke.
1: Family is more important than money.
0: I mean, that's true.
1: Yeah, sure. But also, it is a little on the nose.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, Abu comes in to check on them. And it looks like they're doing something that isn't building the Jericho missile. Right, they,
1: they've reached a point where, at some point, a big metal man does not look like a missile very much. And uh, uh, what is the name of like the actual boss here? Raza. Raza, okay. And this is a guy, I remember when this movie came out, everyone was speculating that like he, they were setting him up to become the Mandarin in a future movie. Which makes sense, given what's in this movie. Um, I, I think that's a reasonable conclusion to draw. I mean, it isn't,
0: because he gets very plainly killed.
1: Uh, yeah, but I think people were like, oh, well, that happened off screen, and it's a comic book movie, so they can fucking, you know, worm their way out of that.
0: I guess. There's a lot of- So Raza comes yeah. in, he gives a speech about how once upon a time, the bow and arrow was the pinnacle of weapons technology, it allowed Genghis Khan to make the biggest empire. Yeah. And now, using Stark weapons, he will make an even more bigger empire to rule all of Asia. Right. And he notices the arc reactor in Tony's chest- and he starts torturing Yinsen because they've been building this instead of the Jericho missile. Right.
1: He's got like a hot coal that he's going to shove into Yinsen's mouth. And uh, Tony kind of does what he can to intervene and, and you know convince Raza that he needs Yinsen. And uh, he tells them that they have until morning to finish the missile
0: or he's going yes. to kill them.
1: And luckily, that's all the time they need to finish the Iron Man suit.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, cuts to a very sweaty Tony Stark in a Black Tank talk with, with the arc Reactor shining through, which is a good look, having the arc Reactor shine through his shirt. Yeah, it, it, this is a cool aesthetic moment. It reminds me a lot of the
1: not-very-long-lived Iron Man cartoon, like the intro footage yeah. where he's, like, smelting the Iron Man suit. I love that intro. It's a good intro. I, I think I saw one whole episode of that cartoon, and I don't remember it at all other than the intro it was cool.
0: Yeah, so they start assembling the Iron Man suit. Like you said, they don't really have a lot of time, so they have to take shortcuts. Yeah. Like, instead of screwing in every screw, they have to do every other screw. Right,
1: yeah. Uh, and they eventually realize that they, they're out of time, and Yinsen... They, they, like, rigged up the door with a mine, uh, so that when some guards come to check on them, uh, they get blown up. And that's yeah. got everybody rushing toward their location. So Yinsen grabs one of the guns that those guards had to go try and hold them off long enough for the computer to finish whatever it needs to do to make the Iron Man
0: suit work. I think he's like uploading a targeting system or something or like just the interface to interface with the suit.
1: Yeah, this is where it, it's not a horrible problem, really, but it what I, I was saying before, I like that this suit is just kind of a big lump of metal. And the idea is like, eh, it can't really do anything like superhero. It's just mostly bulletproof and has flamethrowers so I can force my way out of here. But then between this computer and how they talk about this version of the suit later, they act like it's got a lot more going on to it than that.
0: I mean, it's a pretty
1: impressive suit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it, it just kind of looks to me like he just strapped some metal plates all over his body, you know? I mean, have you ever seen a suit like this in real life? No, I haven't. And But it's all, you know, eh, who knows? I guess there is that scene where, like, they almost get caught where he has, like, the mechanical leg that he's swinging around. So I guess there is some kind of more to it than just the armoring. That's that's very right, nice. It's not
0: entirely mechanical. Right. So Yinsen, like, he's he's shooting at these guys, but he's very intentionally aiming up because he's a pacifist and he doesn't want to actually kill anyone. Right. Uh, but eventually he gets shot, too.
1: Yeah. We, we don't actually see him get shot. He, like, rounds a corner and there's just a wall of dudes with guns. And then we cut back to Tony, who, uh... The upload completes and he engages the suit and starts like uh just storming through these caves, uh, completely like untouchable by these guns, and he finds Yinsen laying down bloody, and Yinsen gives a speech I alluded to earlier where he explains that his wife and children are dead, and this is what he meant by he's going to go see them when they're done here.
0: He always Yeah, in- the scene where where Tony's escaping is actually really shot cause really well Because yeah. it's almost like that scene in Batman Begins. Yeah. The guys with guns are like, where'd he go? They're looking in through the dark, and then they just see this giant suit, and it completely tears them apart.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool action. Yinsen um, does literally tell Tony Stark that the plan all along was for him to die here so that Tony would learn to be a good person.
0: Let me, let me bring up the exact line. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, he says this was always the plan, Stark, but I think that means, like, he was not ever intending to make it out of here.
1: Well, no, uh, of course. But, like, Tony says, like, come on. We got to get out of here. We got to stick to the plan. And then Jensen says, this was the plan. My wife and children are dead. I'm going to see them now. And then gives him them, gives them a line about, like, I saved your life, so please don't waste it. Something like that. Don't waste it. Yeah. Don't waste your life. Right. It, it is borderline literally telling him, I am a secondary character who exists to bolster your character arc and nothing else.
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs>
1: it's not best. It's not the best. Tony Stark makes you feel he's a cool exec with the heart of steel.
0: As Iron Man, all jets of blaze,
1: he's fighting and smite fight with his pulse rays. Amazing armor. As a blazing bomber. Iron Man.
0: I was saying there was a good scene where uh, Iron Man's arm gets like stuck in the wall. And the guy sidles up to him with with a handgun and tries to shoot him in the head. Oh, right, yeah. The bullet bounces off his helmet and into that guy's head. Yeah, yeah.
1: So there's a, a good little moment <laughs> where a man commits suicide by Iron Man.
0: Uh, So then Iron Man finally gets out of the cave, walks outside. There's a million guys with guns. And they all start shooting him, whim, and then just, like, stop for no reason?
1: Yeah, I guess they, they run out of ammo, or they realize it's not effective. Uh-huh.
0: Well, the thing is, like, it is visibly affecting him. There are like sparks flying out from his suit. You get the sense that if they kept shooting him and like aiming for the exposed parts, they could actually take him down.
1: Probably, yeah. Maybe they all ran out of ammo at the same time,
0: and they're reloading. I guess so. By the way, Iron Man takes out his two very big flamethrowers. And he starts burning up the whole camp, including all of the Stark Industries' weapons. Right, he's making
1: a special point to blow up all of his weapons.
0: Yeah, then one guy gets on a machine gun turret, and this is actually enough to bring Iron Man to his knees. Yeah. But then he activates his jetpack and goes flying into the air. Right, he, he gets his rocket boots going and he launches up, and then... And just as he is launching, all of the missiles that he has set on fire start going off. Yeah,
1: so he gets kind of like jet off away from an explosion and get a cool, like, hero pose in the air. Um, and then the jets kind of immediately start failing, and the movie does turn into a little bit of a cartoon for a few minutes while he
0: crashes. <sighs> he does fall about a million feet into the sand yeah. in a big iron suit, which probably should kill him.
1: Yep. Uh, it is kind of but like... he's
0: not seriously injured.
1: <laughs> it is kind of like in Mario 64 on the desert level when you fall from, like, really high up and just get submerge in sand up to your waist and then have to, like, pull yourself out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the suit is totally destroyed. Tony Stark gets out of it and, like, wraps a shirt around his head. Yeah. And just starts jogging until he sees a helicopter pass by.
1: Yeah, and he kind of flags him down and he's he's been rescued. Uh, Rhodey's there for him and it's weeks later and... Uh, It's
0: three months later
1: Oh, it's three months later? It's way more than I thought it was Okay Yeah, Uh, they mentioned that a little bit later Yeah, I thought it was like three weeks later Um, But uh, even though it's three months later Rhodey does still remember the snark that Tony gave him At the last time they saw each other And goes, "Mm, from now on you're
0: riding in the humdrum V Yeah, and he gives him a hug And this is the first time you get the sense that they are actually friends Yes, yeah
1: Which, in fairness to that whole thing, I will say there are... uh, I have definitely been in friendships that, from an outsider's perspective, would look pretty antagonistic. Uh, Okay, yeah, sure. But that, you know, you would see more genuine affection arise in, like, a crisis situation, even though our standard way of interacting with each other is just to uh, shit on each other
0: endlessly. So, Tony flies back to the United States, and Pepper's there to see him, and she has tears in her eyes, as he sees him limping out of the plane with a broken arm. Yeah. And
1: kind of in the same way, this was our first indication that Rhodey was legitimate friends with him. This is our first indication that Pepper is more emotionally invested in him than in him just being her
0: shitty boss. Of course, Tony no-sells it. He's just like, oh, here's a joy for your boss.
1: Yeah. They have like a stretcher for him that he waves away. And he explains that now that he's been rescued, he wants two things. He wants an American cheeseburger and he wants a press conference.
0: You know what? If I was kidnapped for three months, I would probably want to eat some Burger King. I'd
1: probably be burgering pretty hard.
0: That's entirely fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he refuses to go to the hospital. He calls the press conference, even though he's plainly injured and kind of delirious. Yeah, he's got just a... Um, he doesn't want to stand at the press conference because he probably can't actually stand for that long. Right. He's he, So he has everyone sit he's down. He's got a whole
1: bag of Burger King. I will say... Before he has his full-on villain heel turn, I do kind of like Obadiah and Tony's, like, uh, dynamic. Where Jeff Bridges plays this
0: character very well. I mean,
1: yeah, Jeff Bridges is a great actor, and he's he's doing really good in this role, where he's just... He's he's like Tony's put-upon uncle.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, where
1: it. he's just like, oh, Tony, is it one of those burgers for me? He's like, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God. Yeah, he makes all the reporters just sit on the floor while he munches a burger, and uh, he gives a speech about how he has seen some- No, hold on, hold oh, oh. on.
0: You missed over the very first appearance of Agent Phil Coulson. Oh, that's
1: right. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so Pepper's watching from the back, and Phil, Co- Phil Coulson, sorry, respect beyond his name- Mm-hmm approaches her and says that he needs to set up a meeting about what happened in Afghanistan. He introduces himself as being from the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division.
1: Yes. Which, okay. The the running gag in this movie is he's going to say that a few times, and everyone's always going to be like, boy, you need a better name. And then the, the kicker at the end of the movie is he's just like, you know what, just call us SHIELD. And did it take that long for anyone to notice that that was an acronym for SHIELD?
0: <laughs> Well, no, no, no. The thing he's doing is, like, he's intentionally giving a hard-to-remember name.
1: Oh, you think... Oh, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's a psyop.
1: Okay, I can get behind that. Sure. All right.
0: Like, yeah, he never he never says... His line specifically, just call us S.H.I.E.L.D. He never suggests that they recently changed their name to that.
1: That's fair. Okay, the, the vibe I had always gotten from this movie was that he was such a straight-laced doofus that he... You know, he was fine with the long, cumbersome name, but everyone kept criticizing it. So he, in my mind, he's the only, him and Nick Fury are the only two that work for S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point. They're just sitting around like, come on, man. Everyone keeps making fun of our name. We got to get a better one.
0: God. I I think your interpretation makes more sense. (laughs) I really like, like, I love that Phil Coulson, the character of Phil Coulson is is nothing in this movie. No, not at all. He's just a generic government man. Yeah. Whose job is to say Shield, which is the thing from the comics. Right. Yes, one hundred percent. But that that this spun off into like a whole thing and a hundred plus episode TV show is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, Pepper kind of just shrugs them off, and uh,
0: she mentions that she's gonna set something up for like the twenty fifth or something.
1: Yeah. So are we given to. Is the idea here that S.H.I.E.L.D. is aware of the Ten Rings, or are we given to believe that they have some kind of intelligence on the fact that Tony built an Iron Man suit? Probably both. Okay, okay. That's fair. Um, But at this press conference, Tony munches on his burger for a while and then explains that he's seen some really awful things while he was uh, a hostage. And because of that, he is... Discontinuing the arms branch of Stark Industries effective immediately, and everyone goes crazy, including Obadiah, who kind of ushers him off stage immediately. And uh, he starts trying to spin it like, "Listen, just uh, don't don't worry about that part. Just report on the part that Tony's back. That's good, right? Yeah, don't worry about it."
0: I love the way that Obadiah Stane is trying to save this. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, and. Uh, uh, <sighs> I think Obadiah is kind of a big problem with this movie, but also in this part of the movie, I love him a lot.
0: (laughs) I want to talk about the specifics of Tony's little speech. Okay,
1: yeah, go for it, go for it.
0: So he says, I never got to say goodbye to my father. Right. There's questions that I would have asked him. I would have asked him how he felt about what this company did, if he was conflicted, if he ever had doubts, or maybe he was every inch the man we all remember from the newsreels. Right. I saw Young Americans Killed by the very weapons I created to defend them and protect them, and I saw that I had become part of a system that is comfortable with zero accountability. So, like again, yeah, the problem is that Americans were killed,
1: right? And and again, though, the 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 dialogue kind of flirts with the idea that Tony is uncomfortable being part of the military industrial complex,
0: but he's literally interrupted as he starts talking about how the system has zero accountability.
1: Yeah, like they they want. I feel like they want this movie to be about that, but they know that won't play with a 2008 American audience, so they have to keep throwing in lines about how, oh, the real problem is that Americans were killed with these weapons, not that I'm making these weapons for Americans to use, you know?
0: Yeah, they always hedge it. Yeah. They always just fall short of, like, reaching a greater point. Right. Uh,
1: yeah, it's 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 a pretty big flaw in this movie. But, um... Um, and I'm way behind on my watch. What, what's, what scene comes next?
0: Uh, uh, Stane, Obadiah Stane and Tony Stark are in front of the arc reactor. Right. And he's talking about, hey, you should have talked to me about this.
1: Yeah. Which, fair. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't have, but he doesn't know that he shouldn't have. Right. Like, from Tony's perspective, this was a real dick move still. Even when he's trying to yeah. become a good guy, he's a dick.
0: He mentions that the stock is going to completely tank by tomorrow. Yeah,
1: they're talking about like a forty percent drop, and that's optimistic.
0: Tony has a dramatic irony line. Mm-hmm. That's did I just paint a target on the back of my head?
1: Uh, now, why is that a dramatic irony? Uh, oh, because he was already had a hit put out on him.
0: Yeah, because now they're going to kill him even more. But
1: let me ask you this, because this movie is so full of like fun references and like allusions to scenes we're going to see in future oh. movies. Do you, think, uh, do you think this line was an allusion to the human target? Oh, I
0: was thinking you were going to say bullseye.
1: Oh, <laughs> human target is a marble thing, right?
0: It is, okay, yes. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> uh, Jeff Bridges has a good response, which is, your head, what about my head? Right.
1: Uh, and Tony kind of explains, like, listen, we don't need weapons. We can return to the arc reactor project, which they are conveniently standing in front of the, the big arc reactor now. And Obadiah shrugs that idea off. He's like, nah, this was just a a goofy side project to make hippies happy. Like, this is nothing.
0: He mentions that it was never
1: cost effective. Right. And then Tony shows him the chest piece, the, the chest reactor. And this is kind of where Obadiah's character arc breaks. Because Tony has just shown him, oh, don't worry, man. I've, like, just solved all the world's energy problems and we can become richer than we ever would be making weapons. And Obadiah doesn't, like, go for
0: it, really. I mean, he does. He, likes. he starts, like, smiling and laughing and buttoning up Tony's shirt and is like, hey, you know, we're always going to be partners, right?
1: I mean, he does in this scene, but then the rest of this movie is Obadiah undercutting him and, like, trying to push him out of the company so he can keep being a weapons manufacturer.
0: I mean, why not? Why wouldn't he do that?
1: Well, because, again, like, it's not just that Tony has,
0: like, destroyed their business. It's
1: he is offering a superior alternative to their business.
0: But what if they made both weapons and arc reactors? Yeah, okay, that,
1: that's fair. I don't know, It just... Obadiah is not someone we get a lot of characterization of. We don't really know his motivations, per se, other than, like, apparently, greed. And it just seems like
0: Tony is is offering a way to sate his greed. Like, it's not obadiah is a bad character a bad man yeah he's a good character he's a bad evil man yeah but he's not actually wrong in trying to push tony out of the company because he is a bad ceo
1: he is a bad ceo that you're absolutely right but
0: i mean he's been a bad ceo this whole
1: time and he only wants to push him out because tony's trying to change the direction of the company
0: yeah uh it cuts to jim kramer's mad money
1: <laughs> right i forgot <laughs>
0: That's the thing they used to do in, at in Iron Man 2 as well. Yeah,
1: they do it in Arrested Development a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. What a, what a weird bit of like mid-2000s pop culture.
0: Here's a weird yelling man who's going to talk about stocks to you. This was like, this movie came out like just before the big crash, right?
1: Uh, yeah, because it was 2008. So that would have happened, had to have happened later this year.
0: Even though this is ostensibly set in 2009. Right, but, you know, they... they yeah, it's a different future. Yeah,
1: it's, it's an alternate timeline.
0: Yeah, so Jim Cramer says you should get rid of Stark stock because they're a weapons manufacturer that doesn't make weapons. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Pepper's watching it, and she gets a call from Tony from her very fancy tablet.
1: Yes, uh, where he needs her... He asks her how big her hands are, and she's like, what? Excuse me? And uh, he eventually just asked her to
0: come down into the uh, workshop because he needs someone with tiny hands. And like like she knows the the code to this workshop, so she is it seems like she is called in here on a regular basis. Probably, yeah, yeah. But uh
1: Tony is doing surgery on himself because that's a normal thing people do.
0: Yeah, he's building a new arc reactor because he has way more resources than he did in the cave with a box of scraps. Yes. <laughs> and uh I love the scene.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good scene. Um, he explains that he's trying to swap out the arc reactors, which I assume because the arc reactor is unplugged, he is burning time on whatever that ticking clock of that shrapnel is right now, right?
0: Right. Yeah. You. He's, RDJ is playing this very well, where he's he's saying everything quite calmly, but you can tell that he's stressed out. Yeah. Uh,
1: where there is an exposed wire, uh, I guess in like touching his heart, right? I guess. Yeah, and... Because,
0: like, there's a a big cavity in his chest. Yeah. They had to dig a bunch of flesh out to make that. Uh,
1: It's so gross. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's good, but it's gross. (laughs) Uh, But he needs Pepper to reach in and pull this copper wire out. uh, (laughs) And he tells her, it's like, operation, don't let it touch the sides. And then she lets it touch the sides, and he gets electrocuted. Yes. Uh, But... Uh, she complains that it's all pussy in there, and he like ensures her that it's basically like yeah, it's like lube for the machine. No, no, he tells her that it's a discharge from the machine,
0: which it's an inorganic fluid. It's not part of his body. Right,
1: right. But but he tells her that it, it's something the arc reactor is discharging. Which does that mean the arc reactor is just pumping goop into his chest cavity at all times?
0: I, you know, I don't think you should think too much about how the arc <laughs> reactor works.
1: Do you think that that was, like, the second part of his business plan? Like, step one, we're going to make a bunch of arc reactors. We'll be rich. But then, as a side business, we're going to sell that inorganic discharge as lube
0: and make a killing. You know, this device is probably radioactive to some degree. <laughs> and having that to your next to your heart 24-7 is probably Right,
1: bad. yeah. You really just need to ignore a lot of details about the arc reactor.
0: <laughs> uh, so, Pepper's very grossed out, and she pulls out some kind of wire. Yeah. But then she pulls out a ring that the wire is attached to and Tony starts going into cardiac arrest.
1: Yeah, because that was the magnet, um, yeah. which I, I will admit, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how electric magnets work. The idea that this was just stuck to a copper wire, stuck to a metal magnet doesn't seem right. But what do I know, I guess?
0: Uh, so Tony's trying not to freak out. Yeah. And Pepper puts in the new arc reactor. And she connects the thing to the thing, and everything's fine. Yes, he's he's A-O-K. And she says, do not ever, ever ask me to do something like that again. Right, and he tells her that she's all
1: he has, and that's kind of the first moment that he's expressed like a real fondness for her.
0: Yeah, this is this is a very romantic scene. Yeah. The... A little bit of a horny scene. <laughs> Absolutely. As she digs her she... hands into his heart.
1: Right, as she gets elbow deep into the sucking chest wound he lives with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so she asks what he's going to do With the old arc reactor And he says nothing, throw it away, it's garbage Yeah, uh, but w- Yeah, she
1: she takes it And we don't see what she does with it yet um, And then is, is this where he starts building the suit? Uh, or do we have, we
0: have No, 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 then it cuts to Rhodey Giving some sort of presentation To other Air Force soldiers okay. And Tony Stark interrupts him
1: Right, yeah, he, like, walks in, makes some weird gay joke about Rhodey
0: that I... It was, oh, yes, it's very transphobic.
1: Yeah, he... Ugh, it's something about Rhodey not being a good guesser, and then, like, oh, what was what was her name? And then, like, a, a male name. It's not good.
0: No, it's not good. Ugh. Um,
1: but he is trying to... Like, like, this... He introduces himself in this scene by, like, Rhodey is giving this speech about... You know, there's some debate about whether the future of air combat will be drones or will continue to be pilots. And Rhodey's mm-hmm. going through this whole thing about, like, listen, no drone can match, like, the, the judgment and the skill of a pilot. And Tony walks in and says, well, what about if you had a pilot without the plane? Kind of, I guess, alluding to Iron Man. Um, and he wants to get Rhodey involved in his secret project. And yeah. Rhodey's just like, n- n- no, no. Bye.
0: (laughs) And that's the scene. I mean, he says... He basically tells Tony, you need to, like, rest for a little bit. And, like, maybe go to some therapy to try to work out your traumatic experience before you make any rash decisions. Everyone
1: in this movie thinks that Tony Stark is a nutcase for wanting to divest himself from the American military-industrial complex.
0: I, you know... Okay. I don't think Tony's decision is bad, well, I, but he probably should have spent more time than literally immediately getting back home to make this decision.
1: Um, I think that presupposes that he didn't have a lot of long nights in that cave to mull it over. But also, they probably should have shown some long nights in that cave of him mulling it over, you know? Yeah. Um, I almost... Okay. One of my problems with this movie is that I think it would be better if it was just a Tony Stark movie and not an Iron Man movie, which you can't do. Like, the whole fun of it is I want to see Iron Man, be Iron Man. But, like, the interesting movie is Tony Stark in that cave. Yeah. Like, I, I would say a lot of the, the complaints I've had at this point are mostly nitpicks, or they're legitimate criticisms, but they're not... They don't sink the movie. This is the section of the movie where I think everything starts to break down because Tony Stark's character arc is finished, and the movie still has, like, an hour to go.
0: Yeah, this is when it starts becoming an Iron Man movie.
1: It's when it starts becoming an Iron Man movie, but, like, Tony does not have any more dramatically compelling decisions to make throughout this movie. Like, the the whole middle chunk of this movie is just him working on the Iron Man suit, um, and it's kind of cute and fun and cool in different uh, measures from scene to scene. But, like, his growth as a character is finished. Like, he has one dramatic turn, and it's when he, like, has Ginson uh, die in his arms, And now he's just Iron Man and there's not going to be any more character development for the rest of the running time.
0: I think you could separate the decision to stop making weapons with the decision to become Iron Man. Maybe. Okay. I I think you could maybe do that, but I don't think that's a huge decision.
1: And like, he's clearly already decided to become Iron Man, even though he has not seen, you know, the village, the footage of the village yet. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just, um, he's going to spend the rest of this movie just doing Iron Man shit while everyone else kind of just wanders around aimlessly. And the whole movie, just the, the bottom drops out from it. I don't know. I eh, This movie frustrates me from here on out.
0: So Tony Stark has decided he's not going to make weapons for anyone else. He's just going to make a really good weapon just for himself so he can feel safe all the time. Right. Not actually a good solution to the problem he wants to solve. Again, maybe why he should have rested a little bit and thought about this. Right, yeah. And gone to a therapist.
1: Yeah, like th- that's the other part of this is that he he's made this important decision, but they they want to give the decision to become Iron Man a lot of dramatic weight, but it doesn't actually make all that much sense.
0: Like this is eventually justified by what the Marvel Universe becomes, right? Which is a place where aliens invade the Earth every few years. Yes, and th- in that situation, you need an Iron Man. Sure. But, in in the status quo as presented in this movie, where it's basically just Earth as we know it, right uh, it it doesn't make as much sense, yeah, because
1: even the things that are not Earth as we know it are things that are gonna be retconned in in future movies. like there is weird shit going on already, but in the continuity of this movie, no, there
0: isn't. I remember rewatching this movie in like early twenty twelve in preparation for the Avengers, yeah, and thinking, oh, this is gonna feel so quaint rewatching this after everything that happens after the Avengers mm-hmm. and it does. Yeah, it does.
1: I, and I, yeah, I will say that is one thing I think these movies do really well is gradually make the, the background of this world crazier and crazier as more ridiculous shit happens. Yeah. Um, like I, like I said, I watched Spider-Man recently and we'll get to that movie a while from now, but I do like the idea that, you know, it, it's a little ham handed, but like uh, the speech at the beginning from the vulture about how, like, ah, when I was a kid, we used to play cowboys and Indians. Now look at what my daughter's drawing. These superheroes. I don't know. That's that's how that actor sounds, right? That actor whose name I can't bring to mind? Michael <laughs> Keaton. That's how Michael Keaton sounds, right? He's just got a generic Brooklyn accent.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I do like how Spider-Man Homecoming and the Netflix shows are in just a world that's post-alien invasion. Right, yeah. But, like, that's a thing that happened, but it didn't radically change the world, but it still affected it just enough. Yeah, it's, like it's, it, it's
1: not a re- completely different world, but every now and then in the background, someone has some crazy future iPad, and it's like, oh, huh, okay, sure. Um, but back to Iron Man, uh, he is in his laboratory, and he is going to start planning on the Mark II Iron Man suit.
0: Yeah, he has a bunch of cool hologram technology, which I remember being pretty technically impressive at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though know, it's less so now,
1: it it looks it looks pretty cool. I mean, they do this kind of thing in every Marvel movie, so it's lost a bit right. of it. Like now it's, now, it's
0: pretty standard. Yeah,
1: but uh, yeah, for the time it was definitely neat. I remember them making a lot of hay about how they had to make like a real Iron Man suit for him to interact with for these scenes. Yeah. Like, when he's suiting up, he really is having an Iron Man suit put on him, and then it transitions to CG once he's fully in the suit. That's cool. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, so then it fade cuts to a sandstorm. The sandstorm was not planned. They were going to film this on a clear day, but then there was a sandstorm, and they had to film around all it. All right, yeah, sure. Uh, and they're all trying to dig up the Iron Man armor. Yeah, the,
1: the survivors of the Ten Rings
0: are digging out the Mark One armor. Uh, Raza's face is burnt from having it be flamethrower. Yeah, he has
1: a real gross burn over all of his face. And uh yeah, I think that's all we get from them for now, right? They're just kind of inspecting. He's, he's menacingly staring at the face of the Iron Man suit.
0: Yeah, they they found it. Yeah. And then it cuts to Tony working on the leg, which seems like a very complicated device. Yeah, yeah. Um, the timeline of this movie is that he spends six months building this suit. Which doesn't seem like enough, honestly. It doesn't seem
1: like enough. Um, Also, it doesn't feel like six months in the movie. Like, I kind of got the sense that this was a week.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, most Marvel movies take place over, like, a week. Yeah. This is one of the few that does have time for, that gives time for a character to grow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, there's kind of a running gag through all of the the suit building sequences where one of his robot arms is kind of dopey and he just kind of banters with it and like puts it down because he keeps messing up. Uh,
0: he's going to feel bad once that robot dies. (laughs) Um, is this where the, the flight test happens? Yeah. He he tests his flight boots at 10% and he goes flying into the ceiling. Yeah, he just
1: smashes really hard into the ceiling. This robot arm blasts him with a fire extinguisher, even though he's not on fire. And again, it's... It, I, I don't really have a problem with it because it's a comic book movie, so whatever. But anytime this movie turns violent, it gets very cartoony all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, he slams his head into the concrete ceiling about 100 miles an hour. Like, this is a
1: straight-up Daffy Duck scene.
0: Yes. Uh, and hes
1: he's, like, holding an ice pack on his head, but otherwise he's fine.
0: Um, and... He has some more cool hologram stuff to build the arm, and then right. he physically builds the arm.
1: Yeah. Uh, it looks, you know, Pepper's like, oh, I thought you weren't building weapons anymore. He's like, no, 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 this is just for flight stabilization. It's not a weapon, see? And he, like, shoots a blast out of it, it's a huge shockwave. It's like, ooh, well, hmm, huh. Uh, sorry, I'm just <laughs> I'm skipping ahead here to remember what happens next.
0: So Tony Stark comes upstairs, and... Over that, Stan is just right. playing the piano. Yes. <laughs> he's brought pizza back in from New the York scene, from a shareholders the meeting. This scene
1: might be my favorite Jeff Bridges scene. Because <laughs> he's just. It's really. I love both him and Cottonmouth.
0: Just having a p- character play the piano is very good. It's
1: always funny.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, until he's like, that bad, huh? Just because I flew in pizza from New York doesn't mean it went that bad. Right. Uh. But
1: yeah, th- this is where Obadiah explains that the board of directors have frozen him out. Um I guess of any decision-making processes. They think that he is mentally unsound and suffering from PTSD, which he is and that actually gets kind of explored in later Marvel movies that Tony Stark has a lot of PTSD.
0: Yeah. No, it you can definitely see the roots of that in this movie. Yeah. Uh but he like trips over his words when he says I'm being responsible. That's a new direction for me, uh, for the company, for me and the company. Right. Yeah. Uh, And Obadiah Stane, like, raises his eyebrows and gives a coy smile at that.
1: Yeah. uh, And he tells him that he knows he's working on some new project, and he needs to let Obadiah see it so he can show the board something so they'll let him back in. And Tony basically just says no. And then Obadiah says, all right, well, if you're not giving me that, I'm not giving you any of this pizza. Nah, you can have a piece. Come here. Go go, go on. I mean... It's a, I love it. Come <laughs> on, take two. It is my favorite line in this whole movie.
0: <laughs> That's a very good ad-lib.
1: Because he go, It's this... Like I said, he's just a grumpy uncle where he's like mad at him, but ah, you're a good kid. Have some pizza.
0: <laughs> I, like, okay. So, divorced from the fact that Obadiah Stane is evil. Yeah. The situation he's got here is the CEO of the company... Wants to shut down production of the main product the company makes. Sure. And instead he wants to replace it with arc reactor research. Yeah. But he's not letting anyone in on it.
1: Yeah, this is where I would so, say... So, like, what's he
0: supposed to do? Yeah, with-
1: I would say this is where Tony fucks up real bad. Like, just give him the plans to the miniature arc reactor. Like, that's not... I'm, I'm not clear on why he's so protective of that, specifically. You know? The, the Iron Man suit stuff, I get, but... I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure I understand his thought process. Uh,
0: I think Tony just has trouble thinking outside of himself.
1: Yeah, yeah, that might be all it is. But like, it was his idea to make the company about making arc reactors. And then he's like, okay, well, give us the plans and we'll start making arc reactors. No,
0: bye. That's just, just to get his dumb uncle off his back. Right. <laughs> my uncle keeps coming to my basement and asking me to do my job. Uh.
1: But Tony now has kind of the full skeleton of the Iron Man suit set up. He's got the the arms and the legs. And uh he's learned from last time. Now he's only gonna put 1% power out. And he's kind of unsteady, but he starts flying around his garage. He does melt one of his fancy cars with the jets of his boots. Um, but he lands and, you know, gives a good trailer line where he goes, yeah, I can fly. <laughs>
0: And his dummy robot keeps trying to spray him with a fire extinguisher, and he keeps, like, saying, no, you're going to freak me out if you point that thing at me. Right.
1: And, yeah, I said, all this is cute and fun to watch, and, like, it's it's charming. But again, like, Tony's done growing as a character for this
0: movie. I mean, like, he got home at, like, 40 minutes in the movie, and now we're an hour in. Let him have 20 minutes of fun. I'll
1: let him have 20 minutes of fun, but uh, but he's going to keep not growing. I mean, okay. Like- <laughs> I mean, mo- stories are generally anchored on the main character's emotional arc and Tony's is finished. And now it's just an hour of, man, Iron Man's cool. Isn't Iron Man cool? Let's watch Iron he Man be cool. He still has to
0: have a conflict with his uncle. He still has to go on missions and deal with that. He has him and Pepper.
1: Yeah, but, uh, yeah,
0: I don't know. It it This movie stops working for me here. Um, So he finally has, like, a full-body Iron Man suit, the Mark II. Yeah painted silver you get the first shot of like him in the darkness of the suit with his heads-up display in front of him yeah which is a good conceit to keep his face in the movie
1: yeah definitely you know it's not that was a big problem with superhero movies before this is like the spider-man movies do this a lot where uh, like the the sam raimi spider-man movies where he's got to always dramatically rip his mask off when they need him to emote in a scene uh so yeah this was a good idea to let uh robert downey jr continue to emote while he's iron man
0: so he's gonna do a test flight, and Jarvis says we still have to do a million terabytes of calculations right. before. we are so gonna do but a Tony bajillion do anyway tests? He's a reckless boy!
1: <laughs> Please, sir, we need to do at least fifteen kajillion more tests before you can do a
0: test flight. I want to. I want to look at the exact number. Okay, yeah, it's it's some crazy number of terabytes. I I think I remember it not actually being that high.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's not like it, it's actually probably a reasonable amount. Uh, oh, he just says there's still terabytes of calculations.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, like that's
1: sure that's believable, honestly, um, because this is a real complicated physics problem. He's given his computer butler.
0: But uh, I mean, yes, it is.
1: But Robert, but uh, yeah, but Robert Stark <laughs> has decided that he's Robert Stark. He
0: starts flying around. You know, he sees some kids on a Ferris wheel and zooms in on them to test the visual systems. Yeah. Uh, and then, for no
1: good reason, he decides to just go higher than the suit is designed to fly. Well, he wants to see how high he can go. Yeah, yeah, but the computer that he's got in the suit is like, I know how high you can go. It's this high. Don't go higher than this, please.
0: Well, that's theoretical data. He needs experimental data.
1: Mm, Okay, well, he, uh, he keeps pushing it higher, and the suit ices up. Uh, the whole thing shuts down. He's got some manual knob he turns to like start busting ice off the suit. And he like just barely regains control in time to start flying again before he smashes into the pavement and dies.
0: Yeah, he, he makes a car swerve off the road as he barely boosts out of the pavement. Yeah. Uh, and then he starts flying back home. Mm-hmm. And the weight of the suit is so great that as he lands, he crashes through the roof, through the first floor, through the second floor, and into the basement on top of a car. Where the dummy robot finally blasts him with a fire extinguisher. Yes. Which is a, you know, solid, solid joke. A good Daffy Duck gag. Exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, and he's sitting around and he is kind of giving some notes. Another ice
0: pack. He, he's fine. Yeah,
1: exactly. He takes, a, he takes a
0: lot of damage in this movie. He does. He
1: gets real beaten up. He's, uh yeah. I, I just want him to, like, fight Iron Monger later in this movie and end up with, like, his mouth getting blown on the back of his head. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's giving some notes to Jarvis where he explained, you know, he's just kind of, like, listing off some problems they need to solve. They need to change the material the suit's made out of so that it doesn't ice up. Uh, and that ends up being, it's some kind of, like, gold alloy.
0: Gold titanium alloy. Yes. From the Seraphim tactical satellite. Yes. Uh, Is that a real thing? I don't know.
1: It's, you know, it's it's good enough techno babble.
0: Sure. Um, but. Uh, that should ensure fuselage integrity while maintaining power to rate ratio. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> uh, and he, yeah, he looks at like Jarvis the... has a line that says, Perhaps if you intend to visit other planets, we should improve the exosystems. Mm. Mm. It's like foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: but Tony uh, looks at the like model of the new suit, of I guess the Mark III suit at this point, and says, ah, The gold's a little ostentatious. Let's make it look more like this hot rod car I got.
0: He gets a present from Pepper. Yeah, she it's the old arc reactor in a nice little display case, and says proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, she likes him. Uh, and Tony smiles because he likes her. Yeah. Um, during this, Uh, he cuts back to Raza. Oh, right. Yeah, go ahead. He's watching like his men reassemble the pieces of the Iron Man suit. Yeah, you know they're trying to reverse engineer it. It it kind of looks like they're all just working on a jigsaw puzzle together. Yeah, kind of.
1: Just seems like a fun Saturday night.
0: He's just like staring at it with a zig cigarette in his hand. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but Tony's been watching the news and he sees that there is some fancy Stark Industries gala being thrown that he wasn't invited to. At the to.
0: Disney Concert Hall.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Marvel's not owned at Disney yet. I don't no, think. they
1: were not. They were bought. I don't know when, what movie they were bought at, but yeah, they were not. This was like just Marvel Studios by themselves.
0: Yeah, distributed by Paramount. Yeah,
1: um, but uh, Tony realizes he was not invited to a party his company is throwing and decides to go crash it. And uh, he meets Obadiah on the like red carpet of this place, and is kind of he, he kind of bristles that he wasn't invited, but uh, he assures him that like he just wants to have a little fun. He's not going to say anything crazy to make the shareholders mad.
0: Obdai is giving a good BS interview where he's like, you know, weapons manufacturing was always only one small part of the Stark Industries empire.
1: Yeah, like for as much as he hates that Tony's doing this to him, he's doing a very good job of towing the line.
0: Uh, Is this where Stan Lee shows up or was that No, this is where
1: Stan Lee think? shows up. As as Tony is walking in, there's a man. As,
0: in he, a... as Hugh Hefner? Or was it, yeah, it's Hugh Hefner. Or was it Larry King? What's that? It's either Hugh Hefner or Larry King. Yeah, it's King. Hugh Hefner in this one. Okay, it must be Larry King in the next one.
1: Uh no, in the next one, the next one's the Incredible Hulk. That's where Oh, you mean the next Iron well, I mean Iron Man. Okay, too, yeah, look. yeah. Cuz the Incredible Hulk is maybe my favorite Stanley cameo.
0: It's it's the most plot critical <laughs> one. Here's a second appearance of Agent Phil Coulson.
1: Yes. Uh where he like kind of walks up to Tony at the bar, gives him the the long version of Shield's name, which I I'm into your interpretation that it, he's making it kind of droning on purpose so everyone's like where was that guy from again? I don't know. He was some government guy. I, I like that. Yeah, he wants to
0: be nondescript as possible. Yeah,
1: I, I like that interpretation.
0: So they they do set up a meeting for the twenty fourth at seven pm. Yes. Uh, and then he says, "You know, go to my assistant. She'll work out the details." And he turns around and he sees Pepper in a dress with no. Oh uh,
1: damn. Yeah, and he's he's completely just kind of enthralled by her and walks over to uh, have a dance with her, and she is. He starts. Yeah. She's, she's very hesitant about doing this.
0: She's plainly, like, nervous, smiling and laughing the whole time. Yeah.
1: And, and again, at, at some point, the Swiss just got flipped, and now they are love interests for each other in a way that, yeah. eh, I don't
0: know. I don't know. I feel like this is a realistic, like, slow progression. Yeah, I, I don't know. I Like, between from where they were at the beginning of the movie to, like, the surgery scene to the Tony Stark does have a heart. I, I, I think
1: the biggest, the, the reason it doesn't work for me is because he is such a piece of shit at the start of the movie. And she right. is the first and foremost witness to how big of a piece of shit he is. So I, it, it's just hard for me to make the leap that she would be like, ah, even though you treat human beings like garbage, I'm kind of into you.
0: Right. You can't really frame Pepper as like Tony's conscience because she enabled him essentially for years. Right.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, it, elements of it work, but something about it just rings kind of hollow to me. I don't know.
0: Um, so they go out to get some air, and Pepper has a conversation like, "You're my boss, and you have a reputation with women. Mm-hmm. Like this is gonna affect my relationship with my coworkers." Right? Yeah. Which is all reasonable. Also mentioned,
1: she forgot to wear a deodorant today. Yes, <laughs> Which, she does mention that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, she does have a line about like how like everyone knows how you treat women, and now you're kind of flirting with me, and that's not going to be great for my reputation. Um, but then they lean in to almost kiss, and they break it off. And Tony goes to get her a drink, and just leaves her up on the roof. And while he is ordering her a drink, where she with extra, with extra olives, olives, like at least like, like at least three olives. <laughs> uh, he gets accosted by the reporter from the beginning of the movie who uh, is kind of calling him out and accusing him, accusing his, like, good guy turn to be a bunch of bullshit because a village, uh, I don't remember the name of the village, but it's... Golnir. It, it's, it's, it's Jensen's right,
0: it's village. Right, Jensen's
1: village, uh, has just been attacked and the attackers have been photographed using Stark weapons and uh, Tony immediately takes the photos to Obadiah and says, like, hey, buddy, are we, like, deliberately arming terrorists? Because I'd love to know it if we were. That is treason. That's not the best, buddy. Uh, and Obadiah kind of leans in and tells him to stop being naive. This is how the world works. And uh, he reveals. He
0: mentions he's the one who filed the injunction against Right, exactly. So this is. This is- where the turn? Yes, happens. this is Obadiah's turn.
1: Uh, we did leave out the line uh, during the the earlier scene between those two, where he's trying to convince Tony to not get out of the weapons business. Where he says, "Come on, Tony, we're arms dealers, we're ironmongers," and that's the only uh, like reference to his supervillain name in this movie. This is still kind. Yeah, of I guess so. This is still kind of from the era where a lot of movie makers were embarrassed to have supervillains have supervillain names, so they just had to kind of like. Come up with excuses for why they have those names.
0: They kind of still do that in recent movies. Yeah, like,
1: like I don't think the vulture is ever de- explicitly called the vulture in Spider-Man. Right. It's just he's a scavenger, and you can kind of connect the dots.
0: Yeah. Um. So Tony's back at home. He's like screwing in a screw on his arm, and he's watching the TV report report on what's going on in Golmira.
1: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Just kind of furiously tuning his arm, and uh, he suits up and flies across the world, and there's, like, you get this scene of, uh, is it they're gonna kill the dad for almost, for trying to, like, pro- to protect the kid? Is that what's going on? Something. It, I don't know. They're yeah, they're, it's bad guys, and it's it's Abu from the caves, who I guess survived uh, Tony's onslaught. Um,
0: yeah. I like the scene of Tony suiting up while he's very mad and staring directly at the camera. Yeah, it's good. Um, but, yeah, he flies in, It feels so, like, low-tech compared to where he is these days. Yeah, yeah. That he has to stand there and have this complicated machine manually put different pieces on. Right, even by
1: Iron Man 2, he's very uh, upgraded from this. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's just a cool fight scene where he's beating up all these guys. Uh, A tank kind of attacks him, and there's, like, a cool, like, action shot where he... Shoots a missile at the tank and then turns away slowly while it explodes. And
0: Yeah, I like the sound design in this scene because it kind of goes quiet when he arrives. Yeah. And the only sounds are, like, the repulsor blasts and people landing against the wall. Yeah, it, it's good. Um,
1: he beats up all the, the bad guys and just kind of throws Abu into the crowd of people he was, uh, like, rounding up. And just he says, he's all yours and flies away.
0: He... He has like a voice filter on. Yeah, yeah, which is conceit they only do in this movie, I guess, because he still cares about maintaining a secret identity. Oh yeah, I guess
1: that's true. I didn't really even I, in my head it was just ah, he's talking out of a speaker and it sounds a little distorted. Whatever, because it's not that
0: much of a filter. Uh, no, it def- it's definitely distinct from his regular. No, you're voice. you're right. It is. Um, but he starts flying home. He saved the day. But but then a tank hits him out of the sky. Yeah. But then he shoots it with a rocket and walks away towards the camera right. while it explodes behind yeah, him. Yeah, and then in the trailer... He also dodges another time And shot.
1: then in the trailer, when he turns around, that's when the song Iron Man kicked in. Oh, yeah. It was a... Iron Man. <laughs> that was great. That was beautiful.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> do you have
1: SoundCloud or something? I can go to listen to more of
0: that? Uh, no. I do have well, a website.
1: No, you, should, you should really get... You should, you should get some more music out there, Crystal
0: uh iron man blows up all of his weapons yeah and he flies away and then the air force is like hey did we order anyone to blow up these weapons in the village and they say no no one ordered this right
1: they they, spec- so did they specifically say that like the terrorists were using human shields so we were told not to engage because we didn't want
0: right the u.s wouldn't do to that to
1: die yeah like, again, like they got to give some excuses for why the United States is definitely not at all, in any way, even morally gray. They are the unambiguous good guys. They're just harangued,
0: you know? Right. It, uh, so Iron Man's flying home, but the Air Force sees there's a bogey in the air. Yeah. It's tiny. It looks like it's some kind of man. Yeah. Some kind of Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, They scramble two
1: jets to deal with him, and there's kind of this uh, extended dogfight sequence where they are trying to engage him. But it turns out fighter jets aren't really equipped to deal with targets that small. Um, No. It does seem for a bit like they managed to—well, no, they think they shot him down, but really he just, like, slammed on the brakes to go behind them and then, like, grabbed onto one of their undercarriages— uh,
0: and this whole time, he's on the phone with Rhodey, who's also in the room. Right. At
1: some point, they've called Rhodey in, I guess, because they suspect maybe this is some experimental weaponry that they weren't briefed on.
0: Right. He's like the
1: expert on weapons development. Yeah. So Rhodey calls Stark because he knows Tony had some kind of secret something or other, and Tony gives some really half-assed like excuses.
0: He's driving with the top Right. Down. That's
1: why there's you know Mach one wins outside. Uh, or he's out of breath cause he's jogging, but he's also driving with the top down. Um, and then at some point he eventually has to call Rhodey and be like, no, listen, okay, it's me. Please don't let them murder me. Please God.
0: Yes. Uh, he, they, they try to sh- like shake him off the bottom of the jet mm-hmm. and he goes flying into the air and hits the wing, which breaks it off. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then, yeah, that jet starts to crash the pilot ejects but his parachute is jammed so iron man has to fly down and uh like m- like punch through the the like ripcord so the parachute deploys um and they you know roadies at this point just seems mostly bemused with all this he's just like oh you crazy so-and-so you
0: you owe me a jet. <laughs> you owe me a jet you goofball and he's like what am i supposed to tell the press uh training exercise that's a usual bs right, right? nobody's like well he's like i don't think that's gonna cut it this time and then it cuts to him saying it's a training exercise yes yeah which is a good joke it's a, yeah it's a solid
1: joke it's all so this is
0: really the only scene in the movie where tony's being like an active superhero oh yeah 100 like he fights stain later but that's that's more reactive
1: yeah i'm honestly not totally clear on what tony's big picture plan is at this juncture you know I think he
0: mostly wants to blow up
1: his weapons that are out
0: there. Yeah, yeah, that
1: might be kind of the the entire scope of what he wants to do. Because um, yeah, he definitely he's it's not a a Peter Parker thing where he like wants to go save the world. Like he he is a personal investment in this village because he knew a guy from there.
0: Um, and he's not like stopping bank robbers. He's right, here to fight the war in Afghanistan.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, oh,
0: this movie just has some really complicated politics. Uh, Obadiah Stane is watching this on TV with a—he he looks a bit concerned. Yeah, I really like the room that he's in uh, and his pajamas. Yeah,
1: God, Jeff Bridges is just so much fun in this movie. Yes, um, yeah, it's 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 good.
0: So then, cuts to Tony with all the machines trying to take his thing off. And it looks like it kind of hurts, and he's, like, wriggling around, and Pepper walks in on Yeah,
1: him. there's, like, an implication that something got dented in a way that the suit won't come off now, uh, which seems yeah. like a big design flaw.
0: Well, it's only the Mark III. That's
1: true. That's true. Um, do they, like, keep track of the the model numbers for the future movies?
0: Oh, yes, they what do. What Mark
1: is he up to in, like, Infinity War?
0: Mark L. 50.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I like the idea that there are a lot of models that you don't even see in the movies. That he's just constantly iterating on this design. That, that's yeah. a good. The most recent touch. one
0: is based on nano machines. Oh, okay. There's a really good scene where he's like in an extended fight, and he starts like running out of nano machines. He has to redirect them to protect critical critical parts of his body. Oh, wow. Okay. While exposing other parts, it's a that's good kind of
1: a cool idea. Yeah.
0: Uh. So Pepper walks in on him, and she seems concerned because. There's bullet holes all over his armor. Right. He says, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. I'm, hmm. It's probably the weirdest. Probably the weirdest. So Jeff Bridges is in Afghanistan. Uh, He meets Raza. And Raza's like, well, he says something like, you should have killed Tony Stark when you had the chance. Right. This is where we. Raza says, you paid us trinkets to kill a prince. Yeah,
1: this is where we now understand that, like, the Ten Rings have been working with Obadiah the entire time uh to murder tony stark like it was clear that obadiah was a bad guy from the last scene but now we know like he's a bad guy bad guy
0: yes you know he's
1: not like as of the last scene he was kind of that one shitty board like executive from uh batman begins you know yes but now we know that he's you know a full-on villain uh and the idea is that they're going to Raza wants him to make him some Iron Man suits based on the prototype design they've dug up, and in exchange, he will murder Tony Stark for him. And uh, Obadiah pulls out this weird little gadget uh, and reaches behind Sonic Taser. Yeah, he like reaches behind his head and emits like a high pitched noise that paralyzes Raza. And Obadiah has the line about how technology has always been the weak point of people in the Middle East because
0: <laughs> yeah. his
1: movie's got some problems. <laughs>
0: Mm, yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, they give that line to a bad guy, so it's okay. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, so uh, all the people in the camp get shot to death while they're paralyzed.
1: Yeah, like, it just shows, like, Jeff Bridges walking out of this tent, and he just kind of, like, gives a signal to his men, and you just hear gunshots start going off. Who, who are these men? Uh, You know, I I don't think it's a stretch to think that if he's... Like secretly dealing black market weapons to terrorists, he's also got like a black market mercenary group. Okay. I'm willing to buy
0: that. Sure. Uh, so then it's back to Pepper walking in on Tony. Yeah, he's saying he's working on the suit, and Pepper's like, "You know, Tony, if you keep doing this, you're gonna you're gonna die." Yeah. And Tony's like, "The only thing I've left is the mission. This is what my life is now." Right. Yeah,
1: he, he is completely committed to doing good guy stuff now. He's a superhero. God dang it. Yes. And he's kind of um, angry that everyone is turning against him now that he's trying to do the right thing, question mark.
0: You know, the right thing. I finally know what I have to do. The
1: right thing by this movie's uh, concept of morality. I'm not... There's probably...
0: Right, there's, there's probably, better things he could do. There's brighter things to do. This is a very egotistical project.
1: Yeah, it doesn't... And, like, that works for Tony's characterization, but I don't think the movie quite puts enough self-examination on that to make that clear. It kind of just portrays yeah. him as being in the right. There's no counterpoint to, like, what are you... No, just, like, like, there's gotta be better ways to help people around the world than this, because this is dumb.
0: You have lots of dollars yeah
1: like a lot of superhero movies have to contend with the fact that the core premise of a superhero is kind of a stupid idea that doesn't make much sense right and i I guess just glossing over that is fine because at some point you just want to watch the superhero be cool but i don't know something about the way this movie does it just like "Mm, this this is goofy like you this uh, you are not connecting a to b here in the way you think you are
0: I think it is because it tries to present it in a in a naturalistic style yeah like in the real world like even even Batman begins like the way they shot Gotham right it, it was not really meant to be the real world right
1: like Batman begins is very grounded compared to say Batman forever but it's uh it's still very sort of abstract and like it's just this weird city that's kind of Chicago but also it has this crazy Jagged like slum Area full of crazy people Like th- th- there's a lot going on in Batman Begins Uh huh um, Which I guess we'll discuss when we get to those bonus Episodes
0: So Pepper says she quits because She can't be a part of this she can't watch Tony Kill himself
1: yeah and, and that's when He gives her the big speech about how he's he's Got to do the right thing and you, you stood by me While I was a piece of shit and now you're gonna Abandon me when I try to start redeeming Myself
0: which is a good point Actually it, it
1: absolutely is yeah like regardless of whether his plan for redeeming himself makes any fucking sense, it's a good point.
0: Um. Uh. So is, is this where he gets her? Why is, why is Pepper sent up to the office? Uh,
1: he tells her that he needs some files from his computer, but he's probably locked out of it. So here's a little USB doohickey that will let you. That'll just automatically hack into it. You just gotta.
0: Okay, so it is his computer, but Stain is on it now. I guess. Uh.
1: Okay. So my they. they gloss over it real quick, my understanding it, it's definitely his computer because the screensaver is his like hot rod car that he was working on earlier on. I think he's right. using that computer as a vector to get into the company's server to download all of Stain's files. Okay. That's what I think is supposed to be going on. Um, okay,
0: I guess that makes yeah. sense.
1: But uh, yeah, so Pepper goes to the office, she plugs the USB drive in, and... Uh, I I like this fake computer interface.
0: It's, yeah. Where you can type in translate to translate a video. Yes.
1: Uh yeah, because this is where we get the video that we saw being recorded at the start, and this is where we learn again that this was not, even though it looked exactly like an al Qaeda like hostage video, it was actually a video to Stain about how they were raising the price on assassinating Tony.
0: God, talking about this just makes me appreciate Iron Man three more. Yeah. Yeah, Because that movie has a much better take on the war on terror. Okay, yeah, I have not seen it. I have
1: heard people say it is, like, possibly the best one of these. At least one of of the better ones, at least. Uh, So I'm excited to get to that. Um, But yeah, so she starts downloading these files, and Obadiah shows up. And we get one of Hollywood's favorite things to do in the digital era, which is a scene... Where someone has to surreptitiously unplug a USB drive while a bad guy is watching them.
0: Right. She puts, like, a newspaper over it. Right,
1: yeah. Well, like, Obadiah is giving, just monologuing to her about, like, oh, what are we going to do about Tony? You're a really good, like, worker. And it's, like, it's playing with this tension of it's not clear if he has caught her in the act or if he is just being friendly, um it's like playing ominous music and we know that he's a bad guy but none of his dialogue is directly threatening but that's kind of how he's been the whole time so who knows it's like
0: this is not his office right no it's tony's office so he's just coming in and drinking tony's yeah because he he mentions like as he pours a glass like ah
1: tony always gets the best stuff okay (laughs) sure uh and then uh she yeah puts a newspaper over the drive and yanks it out and as she's walking out he goes. Is that today's paper? And it's like, oh, shit, busted. But she kind of slips the drive into her purse or whatever. And he just mentions, like, he'd like it because he wants to do the puzzle. And uh, she walks away. And he immediately turns around to look at the computer and sees that a bunch of files were accessed. And he gets mad. And then he marches down to the R&D department. And we get the best line in the entire movie. Second only possibly to Jeff Bridges offering uh, Tony Stark two slices of pizza. Yes. Which is, uh, the engineers try to tell him it is impossible to miniaturize the arc reactor in the way he wants to sir, channel.
0: the technology, it doesn't actually exist. And then
1: he yells at the top of his lungs, Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps! <laughs>
0: well, I'm not Tony Stark. Like,
1: the most quoted line from this movie.
0: <laughs> just be- That line actually was in the script.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. Um, it's just- The way Jeff Bridges delivers this line is so pitch perfect. He's so mad about something so stupid. I
0: mean, I love it. I I love Jeff Bridges. I love Obadiah Stane. Yeah, he's
1: a terrific actor, and he does this role very well. Um, Even if eh, this is the part of the movie where I think Obadiah Stane starts to become a little bit of a problem for it, uh, which we'll get into
0: once he's he's a little later. So... Pepper's kind of fast walking downstairs to get back to Tony, Mm -hmm. and Agent Phil Coulson is waiting there. He's like, did you forget about our meeting? Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're going to have it right now. Come walk with me right now. Yes.
1: Uh, She calls Tony, and uh, as he's picking...
0: Tony's phone, again, is not a smartphone. Nope. It's... It it doesn't even look very advanced for the time. No, it's like a
1: Nokia flip phone where, like, the screen rotates horizontally. Yeah. Yeah. but as he's answering it, uh, you just see the the Sonic Taser thing come in from off screen and paralyze him. And Obadiah is there. And uh, he explains that, you
0: know... Well, he mentions, you remember this thing, right? Oh, right. It's a shame the government never approved it.
1: Yeah, yeah. <sighs> um, but uh, he gives this whole speech about how it's a shame that Tony involved Pepper, because she didn't have to die, but now she does... And uh, how he was really angry when Tony escaped the hit job. But now, but also he was a little anxious that he was murdering his goose. But it turns out he had laid one more golden egg for him and he rips the arc.
0: I love this whole scene. It's a good
1: scene. It's really good.
0: I love his device for removing the arc reactor and how it like burns his shirt and the steam goes out.
1: Yeah, he's just got this weird pincer thing that just kind (laughs) of slurps the arc reactor up into it.
0: I love his speech, even though it doesn't make much sense because it was clearly improvised. Right, yeah. It says, you think just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? Your father gave us the atomic bomb. Where would we be if he was as selfish as you? Like,
1: yeah, what? (laughs) God, you telling me that all the dialogue in this movie is improvised, on one hand, makes me understand some of my issues with this movie a lot better. On another hand, makes me more impressed with the movie... But then on a third hand makes me like, well, why would you do that? Write the dialogue (laughs) so that it's good.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's good.
1: Mm, I I think it's delivered very well. I think the actual words on the page are pretty iffy. Uh,
0: So, yeah, Tony is very pale and he's dying because he doesn't have a thing protecting his heart anymore. Yeah,
1: they don't really explain ever exactly how much time he has to live without a magnet in his chest other than not very much. I'm trying to remember, they don't... They kind of don't mind that for drama in any future movies, right? It's just kind of like, by Iron Man 2, it's just a done deal that like, oh, no, don't worry about it. Like, I'm not gonna... The magnet thing, is it's squared away.
0: Well, I mean, one of the core premises of Iron Man 2 is that like... The palladium in the arc reactor is poisoning oh, him. Oh
1: right, yes, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But th- but by Iron Man three, it's they don't do anything. Yeah, well, he just
1: built a new one in Iron Man two, right? That's why it's triangular now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you you see that, and you think that that's an easy thing for them to mine for drama. Like anytime they want to seem to be more tense, just have someone steal the arc reactor from his chest. But they they don't go to that well, really.
0: So Pepper calls Rhodey. She mentions that like. Obadiah paid to kill him. You need to get over here right now, because I'm marching with a bunch of shield agents to go arrest yeah. him. Yeah. Uh uh Tony Stark is dying and he goes down to his lab. He's like struggling to walk. Right. And he kinda He's trying to get to he's crawling to get to the heart that uh that Pepper left for him. Yeah, the, the one that proves he has a heart. Uh he But he just can't reach it and he collapses on the floor. Yeah, but then But then the dummy robot gets Yeah, it
1: and it's I think this is one of the most effective scenes in the movie after the cave because it's you're yeah. like you're paying off the all the setup with the dummy robot, and it's this nice moment where like the literal events of the movie tie into like the the Maddox and like the character interactions where oh he's saved because he's built the, he's started to build up his relationship with Pepper and like literally yeah. this thing that says it's proof that he has a heart is the thing he manages to do like put inside himself to go save the day.
0: It's a well-done piece of screenwriting. Yeah. Th- this
1: this moment is really solid. I just wish it wasn't floating in gray for, <laughs> on all sides.
0: So Obadiah goes to his a- ironmonger suit that he's built. Like the whole suit itself is done. The problem is just that there's no power source. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um so he just plugs the uh, the arc reactor right in there. Um, it looks a lot more like the Mark 1 suit. He obviously has not done all the iteration that Tony's already done on it. Um, he's right. kind of beefed it up more. And uh, I think at this point, what is it, Rhodey calls
0: Tony. and uh, Yeah, Rhodey goes down to the R&D oh, lab right, yeah. and finds Tony passed out and he wakes him up. And Tony's like, we have to go save Pepper.
1: Yeah, uh, Rhodey's like, well, no, she, she's, he's, yeah, she's with a bunch of agents. They're going to go arrest uh, Obadiah. And he's like, that's not going to be enough.
0: Because he has a big right. suit. And, and, like, Pepper saw the plans for the suit on the computer. Yeah. So I don't know why she's not expecting this. Well, you know, maybe she doesn't think it's finished or, yeah, who knows. Right. Um, But... Phil Coulson blows up the door. Yeah. Pepper's like, oh, is that going to pick the door? Is it of super spy device? No, it just blows the yeah, door. You know
1: what? This is absolutely an improv-y kind of scene where she's just mumbling yes. about, oh, what do you got? there? some kind of little gizmo? What, is that going to hack the door or something? That's cool. Oh, Stand standabout. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, no, Phil Coulson, why aren't you yes anding me? It should be, it's it's a lock pick.
0: So, uh, Tony starts suiting up in front of Rhodey, and Rhodey says, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And as Tony flies up out of the ceiling, he turns and sees the Mark II suit. Yes. And then he turns back and says, next time. Next baby. time,
1: baby. Don't worry, Terrence Howard. You're going to be in an Iron Man suit in the next movie. Don't you worry.
0: Why didn't he just put it
1: on? Well, I
0: guess it has no power. There's source. There's
1: not a power source, and yeah, but don't, don't worry. For Iron Man Two, Terrence Howard's gonna be all over that uh, that War Machine suit. But he no, he's not. He's replaced by. No, <laughs> yeah, what Schindler. are you
0: talking?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, uh,
0: I don't know. They're, they're- so Coulson marches Pepper and the agents through the dark lab. Yeah, and then like Obadiah's eyes glow in the darkness. Yeah, they really try and play this up and make it spooky. There's a cool scene where Pepper's, like, running through the lab, and you just see Obadiah messing up the agents behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: we're not going to get to see it until a little later, but I do like that instead of being, like, a suit of armor, oh, the Ironmonger suit is more of, like, a mecha. Like, he's got a little cockpit in there with, like, hand controls.
0: Yeah, like, it, it doesn't it doesn't conform to the shape of his body the way the he's right. suit
1: it, does. He's kind of got, like, Dr. Robotnik's egg pod in there, and he's just sitting in that inside the chest
0: yeah the the legs of the iron monger kind of stubby yeah
1: yeah uh, but
0: uh, i'm trying to remember the sequence of
1: events here while i scrub this movie ahead so seriously. tony
0: flies in and he crashes into the Ironmonger, and they both end up on the freeway yeah
1: and uh, then we get kind of sort of long fight with the Ironmonger. that's not that exciting
0: no, it isn't that good of an It's a little scene. bit
1: of a wet blanket to end this movie on.
0: Uh, the Ironmonger picks up a car, and he's going to smash Tony Stark with it, even though there's a family in there. Yeah. Because he's an evil. Right. Guy. Obadiah
1: has a line at some point where he, like, lifts Tony up. He's like, I've always been lifting you up. And then he throws him on the ground. It's...
0: <sighs> uh, Tony hits him with the unabeam to knock him back, and then he catches the car. Yeah. Then the mom driving cars freaking out and runs over him. Understandably. Understandably. Um, and there's a whole running tension throughout this fight that this is running on the old arc reactor, which was never designed to power a suit of this complexity. Right, so Tony's battery so is Training fast. Left.
1: Right, like that old arc reactor could only power the Mark One suit for 15 minutes, they said. Um, I, I feel like, again, this is not a very good action scene, but I think it's also... They made Obadiah Stane a really good bad guy who's not the kind of bad guy that you defeat by punching real good. Like, he is a scheming dude with a lot of, like, backdoor plans and stuff. And the fact that he would just get inside a metal suit and start punching dudes doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, what exactly is his long-term plan? He
1: doesn't have one.
0: Like, if he kills Tony Stark, what's he going to do? No,
1: nothing. Like, regardless, he has been exposed at this point like the only plan i guess at this point would be to use the suit to flee the country and then start up like a black market arms dealer but like they don't explain any of that that's me guessing it's it's right. really sloppy and it's a situation where yeah he's he's a really good obadiah is a great counterpoint to tony stark in this movie but ironmonger is not a good counterpoint to iron man in this movie and yeah. it's it's It is another one of this movie's really big flaws. I think everyone agrees, like, eh, the fight at the end's dumb. I had fun watching it, but then it just gets stupid.
0: Uh, Tony Stark starts flying away, and Obadiah flies off after him. I like his big, bulky rocket boosters Mm -hmm. that just release a ridiculous amount of smoke. Yeah. While Tony's tech is all clean. Yeah, the
1: design of the Iron Monger suit is really good, and, like, is very reflective of Obadiah's character, where it's just big and brutish and it's like there is at any point where he could have chosen uh like s- to be more streamlined he chose to be more excessive
0: uh the air force notices that there's two suits of armor duking it out in malibu yeah but roadie tells him it's just a training exercise right
1: mm-hmm. uh i do like that it's the same control room monitoring uh, malibu as uh was monitoring afghanistan you know i mean yeah, yeah why, why not, not? um but uh, they fight for a while. They end up on the roof
0: of Stark Industries, and yeah, they go into the sky. And Iron Monger suit oh, right. ices yeah. up because he didn't figure. This that is like out.
1: the one good part of the fight where it's like, oh, this thing we watched Tony like work through is paying off here. Where oh, like yeah, how'd you solve the icing problem? Icing problem, whoa! And then he
0: falls. It's pretty
1: good. But uh, yeah,
0: they end... and Tony Stark is that one percent power. Yeah uh so he just crash lands on the roof right same place that the iron monger landed and didn't and die. uh
1: he gets in contact with pepper and tells her that she needs to rig up the arc reactor to blow basically and uh it will fry everything on the roof so you know that'll kill stain and he can clear the roof before that happens him and iron monger get in a fight tony's like on the edge of a of the roof and why why
0: yeah tony has like physically gotten in the back of a suit and ripped out a bunch of wires right so his targeting system is fried so he tries to like manually hit tony right. while he's sitting above the <laughs> and he is just the
1: worst shot in the world which they don't comment on but it's very funny to me i mean it's probably
0: pretty hard to <laughs> yeah, aim. But
1: they're like 10 feet apart <laughs> and he shoots a lot and he misses every time um yeah, and then like, you know, the arch reactor goes off, and Obadiah dies, and that's that's it. That's the fight. It's it's bad. I
0: don't know. It's I mean, it's fine. Uh,
1: that's I guess that's more what I mean. It's it's just whatever. Like I I don't hate it, but it's I, I I think this movie starts really strong and then just goes downhill from there.
0: I like that the it doesn't initially fry them. It just like concussively forces them out. Yeah. And then Obadiah falls into the reactor. Sure. And that's what kills him. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but, yeah, that's that's that. And then Tony is getting ready for his next press conference. Um, he has talked to Phil Coulson, um, who has given him, like, a, some cue cards to go off of for an alibi on how that was not him because he's got to protect that secret identity. But... Uh, SHIELD, as he now refers to his organization, is gonna be in touch. They they want to talk to him some more about Iron Man, which is a name that he was given by the newspapers. Yes. And he like has this like quote about well, it's not technically accurate, it's more of a gold titanium alloy. Well, snappy, I like it. Iron Man.
0: Um Uh they he has some banter with Pepper. It's like, you know, if I were Iron Man, I'd have this girlfriend who knew my true identity. She'd be a wreck because she'd always be worried about me, yet so proud of the man I'd become. And she'd be so conflicted, but that would only make her more crazy about me. Yeah, yeah. And he says, tell me you never think about that night. And Pepper has a good response. (laughs) He
1: says, oh, the the night where we danced and then went on the roof and asked you to get me a drink and you never came back? Yeah. Uh, Which I like because... If you're just following the dramatic beats of the movie, you do kind of forget that he just ditched her.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah. at the end of this movie, they're not in a relationship, but they're, right. like you said, flirting with the idea right. Which, of being like happy. Like I said, I, I do like that. I think that does
1: make their arc a little easier to swallow, that they don't even have, like, a kiss. But, eh, it, it still doesn't... It still feels weird to me, but, you know, it's, it's far from my biggest complaint with this movie.
0: Um... So Tony starts giving a speech. I like the way the scene is framed because everyone's wearing, like, black suits. And then Christine Everhart is in the front with Grey, so she really stands yeah, out. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, he kind of tries to stick to the alibi he's been given, but he immediately starts kind of veering off course because he's kind of already fallen in love with the idea of being a superhero. And uh, he he's like, what, I'm not some kind of superhero or something. And she's like, no one's calling you that? And uh, the movie ends on a line that I think was really surprising to people at the time because he just, the, the final line of the movie goes, ah, the truth is, I am Iron Man. And then they all, like, start, you know, jumping up for questions and it just cuts to credits. And, like,
0: it's a, good it's a really strong ending. It directly to the camera Yeah, as well. it's a really good
1: way to end this movie often again, like, I can't think of a big superhero movie from before this where, the, like, the secret identity wasn't a huge source of drama, you know?
0: Yeah, and most of the Marvel movies don't bother with that. It's really only the first Iron Man movie, which obviously dispenses with it at the end, yeah. and then Spider-Man Homecoming. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which, and I will say, like... Which also dispenses with it partially at the end. Yeah. Um. E- even in 2008, when I was watching this movie and saw that ending, my immediate thought was like, huh, well, if they ever do want to do, like, a Civil War movie someday, that's a good way to, like... Right off the bat, Tony is very clearly in favor of, like, being a public superhero. Okay, sure. Yeah. That's, that's, you're seeding that idea right now. All right, I like it. Uh, but then, yeah, we get the credits. Um, they go on for longer than I realized because they they save that post-credits stinger for the very end of the
0: credits. Yeah, it is not a mid-credits. Right. It is a post-credits. Yes.
1: I left the theater before it happened because I didn't know it was a thing.
0: Yeah, no one expected it at this Right, picture.
1: But at the very end of the credits, uh, kind of in a, a meta sense, the most important scene in this entire film, uh, Tony Stark comes home and there's a man looking out the window in his living room who tells him, You think you're the only superhero? You just entered a much bigger universe the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Samuel J. And you? I got an eye patch.
0: Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger, initiative. Right, and then just like
1: a musical sting. You'll say Avenger singular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and then just like a musical sting and it's done. And that is a pretty wild moment, especially knowing like where it goes. 10 years later, we got we got like a billion superheroes all in one movie, Crystal. Yeah,
0: they put them all put together. Put them
1: all together.
0: Like even Christine Everhart got to do more like, stuff. Uh, she got like a a YouTube series. Like chocolate and Peanut Butter
1: and Raspberry jam and mustard and, you know, all the flavors that everyone loves. Uh, that's Iron Man 1.
0: That's How do you feel about Iron Man I, 1?
1: Again, I, I like the beginning of it a lot. Um, I have little quibbles with it throughout that I think I could excuse, if not for again. I think Tony's character arc is completely resolved halfway through and the rest of the movie is just him being charming, which is fun to watch, but very vapid. And I think this movie's entire thematic thrust of, like, being anti-war really falls apart when it shies away from criticizing the U.S. military at every juncture.
0: Yeah, I think I'd probably agree with all of that. Yeah.
1: Like, it's it's fun to watch, but it's not it's not substantive in the way that I would kind of wish it would be.
0: It's a good, good, solid low B. Yeah. An, an 80. Yeah,
1: I, I think that is a fair evaluation of this movie.
0: Where would you rank it relative to the other movies that we've seen?
1: Um, Out of the ones we've seen and covered so far, I think, it might be a little harsh, I think it's the worst one we've seen so far.
0: I'm going to have to say it's the best one, huh. Luke.
1: Well, I agree to disagree, I guess. Uh <laughs> Do we have any other segments on this show? Do we do questions at the end of this? We haven't decided anything about this show. I
0: completely forgot to put out a question call. Do you want me to just put one out right now? Yeah, we could, and
1: just cut out while we sit around waiting for questions to come up. I forgot the bit I was planning to do, which was to refer to him exclusively as Iron Man this entire time, and just pretend like that's how I pronounce it. I don't know. (laughs) It seemed funny at the time.
0: I don't know, Luke, you got any questions for the podcast? Uh, I'm trying to think here.
1: Um... I, I guess, you know what, my sort of overarching question, we kind of agree on the ranking of this movie as kind of a low B. What what would you say is your favorite Marvel movie? I guess Iron Man 3, right? Age of Ultron. Oh, Age of Ultron. Okay. Um, what grade would you give that one? Uh, a. Okay. Okay. Because the the thing I was kind of struggling with about this was, am I holding this movie to a higher standard than other people? And like, that's where the confusion is coming from, where... People are just like, nah, they're dumb fun, whatever. I like them. Stop being so picky. Or is it like, no, these are legitimately really good movies that, you know, obviously they're popcorn movies, but, you know, that can still aspire to a certain level of quality. But, okay, if that is if that is the, if we're calling Age of Ultron an A, then this is going to be a wild ride.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm use I use a simple five-star star.
1: Okay, all right, yeah. If we want to rate them on five stars, then what would we call Iron Man, like a three? It would
0: well, be a four if it's a B. I guess that's true. Okay. I might put it at three these days. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling really on the border of three and four.
1: Yeah, see, I would almost—that's almost why I want to go with more of a, uh, a, like almost a ten star. Or like I said, I I like letter grades because, like, yeah, I would say, yeah, like B minus. Whereas you would give Age of Ultron five stars. Great movie. You know, no, no meaning, no big
0: complaints. Well, I don't know that I don't have any big complaints.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, Yeah, man. I've got nothing but big complaints. I hate that movie so much, Crystal.
0: Yeah, a lot of people do. That'll be a it's fun It's so episode. bad. <laughs> it's good, though, is the thing.
1: The resolution of the movie is I'm going to do the same thing that got us in trouble, but it's just going to work this time for no reason.
0: Okay, come on. <laughs>
1: we'll get into it. We'll get to it in a few months. I'm kind of excited to rewatch The Incredible Hulk. I have not really even thought about that movie since I saw it in theaters.
0: Right? It's the forgotten. Right, yeah, because
1: Ed Norton just, yeah, stopped being in these movies. I I kind of remember it being a similar issue with this one where I like the beginning and then it gets dumb at the end.
0: That seems to be a frequent issue people have with Marvel Yeah,
1: films. they kind of have a hard time with endings. I, I'm actually interested. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you got a question? Okay, yeah. what do we got?
0: First one comes in from Dungeon Envy. Okay. When does Tony kiss Steve Rogers? Hmm
1: well if if Civil War is their breakup movie, then it has to happen before that right you think they kissed i I'm open to the possibility that they kissed at the very least
0: I don't know that they ever did
1: hmm, hmm. they might not have yeah I don't know who 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 do you ship in in the m c u crystal
0: oh, it's got to be stucky
1: oh oh sure yeah uh, yeah that that seems like a pretty standard ship uh, for you know good reason I mean he does a lot of stuff for Bucky also man that is not a great ship name.
0: <laughs> you don't like Stucky? I mean,
1: it just... its I, I think Stucky's is like a Denny's knockoff in some TV show.
0: You know who my crack ship is? Who? Yondu and Rocket Raccoon. Now, who is Yondu again? Yondu is the blue man. You gotta give me more than that. <laughs> he has an arrow that he moves with his mind. Oh, oh okay. Uh,
1: Star Lord's, like, adoptive dad. Okay, yeah. yes. Now, uh, this is me revealing my lack of fandom knowledge. By crack ship, what
0: do you mean exactly? Now, that is, that is a ship that is considered a bit out okay. there. Okay, okay. It is the opposite of a canon ship. Sure, okay. Even though I think there is textual evidence in the film for Would this Would you say ship.
1: that it's more of a volume two thing? Because I don't remember them interacting much in volume one.
0: Oh, yes, it is entirely Okay, yeah, I haven't two. seen volume two. Um,
1: it's the best Guardians movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, th- that's a weird one because it seems very divisive. Like, I've seen people that really like it and people that think it's garbage. So I am
0: curious where I'll land on it. Question comes in from uh, Tabletop Gamera. Mm-hmm. Do you really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? <sighs> we touched on how that whole speech is kind of nonsense, but, like, uh-huh. what are they
1: What are they trying to get at with that one? I, I guess ah, that's the problem. We can't even say what are they trying to get at because it's something Jeff Bridges improv Um, Because that's not really, the idea of like hoarding or sharing knowledge isn't like a running theme in the movie. Like it's something Tony Stark's doing, but it's not something the movie really engages with.
0: I mean, he was mad at Tony Stark for hoarding his arc reactor knowledge and Iron Man knowledge. No, he
1: was, but it's not like, that decision doesn't have consequences aside from making Obadiah mad at him, you know? It's not like, it's not like it's a movie about that. In the way that it's a no. movie about... What would you say this movie's about, Crystal, on, like, a thematic level?
0: Uh, is about the redemption of, of a wretch like me. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, because uh, I feel like the movie really wants to be about, like, responsibility and, like, taking, uh, I, I guess, responsibility for, you know, I, I don't... It, it, the, the whole th- thing where it won't criticize America makes this movie so muddled. Right. This movie makes no sense on a deeper level because it won't do that. Like, the, the theme of this movie is that only America should have weapons.
0: And America's never done it
1: Right. Uh, looks like Tabletop Gamera had a, a follow-up tweet, which was, and a serious question to follow, are there any aspects of this movie that got cast aside as the MCU got more refined that you wish had carried forward into the franchise more? Hmm. Hmm, that is a good. Yeah, point. I'm trying to think, because um, I, I feel like this movie is a pretty decent blueprint for how the Phase One Marvel movies work. Um, yeah, you know, you just have a guy, and then there's like an inciting incident, and that inspires him to do superhero shit. Um, and then there's a villain that is kind of not entirely thought out properly, and they punch each other a lot, and then the movie's over. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm having a time thinking of anything specific that's like, oh, they should have kept doing this. Uh. Uh. Oh, the tabletop camera had another follow up tweet. Uh. Also, knowing how foundational this movie would become for one of the biggest movie franchises in history, if you go back and change one thing about Iron Man to impact the future of the franchise, what would it be? Huh. I've got a lot of things I'd change about it. I'm trying to think of how, what I would change about it in terms of, like, how it would influence the rest of the MCU. Hmm. Um, you know, okay. Uh, This is not, like, a a criticism issue. This is more just a a personal thing. We both talked a lot about how good Jeff Bridges is in this movie. Don't kill him off. Let the Ironmonger come back later.
0: Yeah, sure. I think, in general, they could stand to not kill off their villains as much. Yeah,
1: like, Ironmonger would work better in a later movie where he is... He doesn't have to be a just dude that wears a mech suit and starts punching for no reason. If he is just a sleazy arms dealer kind of working behind the scenes to fund like an army that the avengers have to fight that that suits his role way better man can you imagine a scene where like jeff bridges is like has a scene with
0: loki that would That'd be, be fun. so
1: fun yeah okay no that's my answer don't kill jeff bridges in this movie
0: yeah what if jeff bridges was part of the thunderbolts man
1: <laughs> what if... <laughs> What if Loki didn't want to share the Tesseract with Jeff Bridges? He's like, well, fine. If you're not sharing that, then I'm not sharing this pizza. I'm just kidding. Loki, have a piece. Take two.
0: What what What's something that's in this movie that's not really in other MCU movies? Yeah, I'm really struggling to think. It's
1: I mean, I, I think the main thing is that, like we said, it's more not grounded per se, but it, it looks more like the real world. But I like that it is slowly slanted away from looking like the real world. I think that's actually something they're doing very smartly.
0: Yes, I agree. As, like,
1: that. the world tilts more and more to be crazier and more superhero So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything in this movie that I really wish they had done more of. I, if anything, I think this movie is representative of a lot of flaws that I think are pretty prevalent in all of the movies that I wish they had, like, learned to not do. Uh, I think we might be done here, Crystal.
0: Oh, we do have more oh, do we? questions. Yeah, hit me. friend of the show, Cameron asks how do we reconcile the image of tony stark as a military industrialist who contributes to the decimation of less wealthy nations Mm -hmm. then becomes an extra-legal paramilitary force unto himself with the later films depicting him as a good if misguided person uh don't worry about it (laughs) i mean the movies do worry about it a little yeah but not that much i
1: would almost say that's worse than not worrying about it at all Because if you just ignore it, then it's like, all right, fine, we're just having fun. We're having comic book fun, whatever. But if you point out that you're failing to adequately address an issue, now I'm thinking about it,
0: you know? Well, definitely by the time of the Avengers, the Iron Man concept has kind of found a way to justify itself. Sure.
1: Yeah, because at that point... Because
0: aliens might invade.
1: Right. And I mean, that's kind of the, the inciting incident in Ultron as he's trying to make... I mean, he literally says he's basically trying to make an iron man suit for the whole planet to wear.
0: I one of the subplots I liked in the Avengers is that Tony's trying to make free energy to make New York a self-sustaining right. city and they don't really go back to ideas like that of him doing things besides being iron yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's they it gets back to the complaint we've we've brought up over and over again about this movie is that it's just it it brushes up against a lot of Complicated issues about the role of the military and like the way capitalism interacts with it, but also it's got to sell in America, so it can't be too critical.
0: Final question comes from Jahuga Rose. Okay. With that cave made suit, how do he cover his job <laughs> Is there pinching in that region? Oh, I bet there
1: was a lot of pinching on that suit. Well, they show he has like that undersuit that's all
0: like kind of like leather bulletproof armor, right? I mean, you just make a plate over the junk. It's not that hard.
1: <laughs> I guess that's true too. You just put a cup on. Yeah, athletes do it every day.
0: Yeah, Luke, where can people find you? You
1: can find me on Twitter at ssj speed racer. Uh, you can find me on Audio Entropy on a whole mess of podcasts. Uh, I do Totally Reprise, which is a retrospective on the children's cartoon Totally Spies. Uh, I do. Uh, Let me tell you about Homestuck where we kind of turn the, the hit webcomic Homestuck into a quasi-audiobook. Uh, you and me both do Let's Place, which is a podcast where we rank every video game ever made according to quality. Um, and uh, on Saturday nights at 9 p.m. Central, you can tune into Audio Entropy's YouTube channel, where we live stream Silver Pines, which is an RPG campaign that I GM. What about you, Crystal? Where can people
0: find you? You can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on Let's Plays. You can also find me on the Book of Medora podcast, where we discuss Zelda lore. Fantastic. Uh, Luke, you want to hear a joke about Iron Man? uh, Sure. This comes in from jokesforus.com slash peoplejokes slash comicbookjokes slash ironmanjokes.html. That's a great
1: URL. Hit me.
0: What is it called when Iron Man does a cartwheel I
1: don't know, Crystal. What is it called when Iron Man does a cartwheel?
0: A Ferris wheel. What? No. <laughs> a Ferris. Wheel. I don't get it. Cause Ferris?
1: You just keep saying Ferris more, I don't
0: F-E-R-R-O-U-S?
1: Oh, oh, like is in F-E like the
0: uh... ah. ah. Okay, goodbye everybody. Goodbye, <laughs> everyone.